to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody, it is your good friend, Dr. David Proden, and welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast, live down here in the North Star Recording Studio, and it is the waning hours of my birthday right now. That's where we're at. I am 49 today. So uh, first thing is, I'm not doing a drag off the the audio here, so if you can give me a little feedback, red, one. Uh, bacon, if things sound good, um, Atham, that would be great. Um, I think it was a little hot on the mic last time, up a little too much. Um, so turning that down, but I prefer not to wear headphones um, tonight. So I've been wearing headphones for a lot of consulting stuff this week. So it's ni- nice to have a break. So, okay. Thanks. Thanks, Red. Appreciate that. So yeah, <laughs> I was playing back um, the show uh, Failure to Regress to the Mean. And, you know, when there's no way to go in and change the audio level on YouTube, at least I'm not aware of, and YouTube Studio used to be able to do that. You could change your level after a show had been recorded, but now um, I can go in and, and re-render things. Yeah, I can do that, and, and when I pull audio on this, I can level it out, but my the YouTube drag was a little hot. wasn't wasn't anything that was crackling. Um, and I, I actually prefer it to be a little bit up because I think if someone's listening to this in their car, it's just nicer to not have to crank it all the way up to be able to hear over the ambient noise. But hey, how is everybody today? Um, Red indicated that it is a nice, cool, brisk night in Ohio. And I just got in from um, our high school track, which is a few blocks away from where I live. Absolutely perfect night, about 62 degrees, um, somewhat humid. And I had a sweatshirt on and really could have managed, you know, probably just like with a long sleeve t-shirt. Very, very nice. Uh, because it's a little bit humid, it feels warmer. Um, so just absolutely phenomenal. It's going to be 72 tomorrow here in Wisconsin. I live in the southern part of Wisconsin. I remember birthdays. So today's my birthday, right? So do Doc a favor on his birthday here. Click like for the show, give me a thumbs up. Um, go on your social media right now and share it around with your friends. Just say, hey, Doc is on tonight. It's his birthday. Come in, follow the show, uh, subscribe on YouTube and actually on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Um, I would appreciate that too because for some reason I have been hanging around um, 2,000 um, 700 followers forever. <laughs> so I just put it on Twitter and I don't know what it is. I mean, it's, it's literally been months. I mean, it's gone from like within a 20 range up and down. Um, and so, yeah, I'd like to be climbing again. That's kind of my primary motive of social media here, but yeah. So at Twitter at safetyphd.com. So yeah. Um, so really nice night. The thing that I have to watch out for on a night like tonight are skunks. <laughs> so they'll come out and they'll start digging on the football fields. We live in one of the few football um, areas where the football field isn't. 
artificial turf. <laughs> so the skunks come out at night when it's warm and they'll start digging up the field to eat the grubs. But no skunks, so it was a really nice night to be out. So um, yeah, perfect birthday. Tomorrow's gonna be 72, another day to be outside. I've debated whether I should bike, but I did winterize my bike and uh, I'd have to bring it up from downstairs, loop up the chain, um, do some other stuff with it. And I'm probably not gonna do that. Another thing with biking right now is when you have leaves, um, there's a few issues. One is they start to, to kind of grind up as you're biking and they become like a paste on the chain. And the second is they obscure what's on the, on the road. So areas where I ride, it's not always the best road conditions. Um, so, and you get these areas that get kind of shadowy and stuff like that. So can, leaves can be a little bit slippery. So, uh, it's, I don't know, maybe I'm just making an excuse, but, um, I'll do something outside tomorrow. So, hey, it is Atham. Dun, dun, dun. Welcome. It is Joe. Welcome. So, yeah. Anyway, I've got some um, big things I want to go through tonight. So let me let me touch on these right now. First is, uh, again, <laughs> subscribe to the show. Share it with your friends. If you have multiple YouTube accounts, just come on, log in. My subscribership here on YouTube has stayed at about 240 um, after kind of jumping up at the start of the year. So I know I haven't been producing quite as much content, but I do. This is show 150. So, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. A lot of uh, terrific interviews too. Um, yeah, subscribe, let your friends know, follow on Twitter, all of that type of stuff. So talking today, we're going to talk about regression to the mean. Something I focused on in the last show, I'm going to bring up the diagram. And we've actually um, regressed to the mean really fast. Hey, it's David B. David B. Welcome. Welcome to the club. Good doc. You are experiencing the lack of boot <laughs> of censorship regarding your Twitter followers. There are no coincidences doc. Yeah. Yeah, David B. I appreciate, I appreciate that too. And I want to, I'm going to touch on this because um, I've had people reach out and contact me and say, you know, they've lost a lot of subscribers or else uh, they've been deplatformed. Uh, one is Mike Glover. So Mike Glover is, um, has the has the website fieldcraftsurvival.com. Um, if you Google his name, you'll still find quite a bit of content from Mike. I was in the military for a number of years, was a um, government, uh, I believe, advisor, consultant to the CIA. And Mike, in the last 24 hours, has been completely deplatformed. So um, what, you're, what you'll find are remnants, uh, but he lost not only... Um, his like Twitter, Facebook, and I think he said like his mom's Facebook. I mean, Mike is probably in his late thirties or early forties. I think he said his mom's Facebook was taken down. Like anything kind of ancillary connected to him was was just like taken out in this big swoop. So Mike is somebody um, who focuses a lot on teaching survival in classes, right? Survival classes, materials uh, you would need for survival, but not specific to survival because of government collapse or anything like that, right? It's survival of, you know, what if the power grid goes out um, because there's electromagnetic pulse or, you know, if you're stuck um, somewhere because of a storm. I mean, very, very typical probable scenarios. No, and, and so I knew Mike's content pretty well as a safety guy, not really in my wheelhouse, you know, Mike's content, but 
I would I would pull clean parts of it, especially situational awareness. And anyway, his website was shut down, fieldcraftsurvival.com. If log on, try to log on it right now, it's down. So that's where he sells his goods. I mean, he has um, people that work for him. This is his livelihood. It's not some small endeavor. I mean, he has um, a large um, warehouse. Uh, and, and I mean, he has um, so much that he's personally put into this and the credentials. He's been interviewed, you know, ABC, CN, and all of these things. And basically was, was perceived as um, spreading information that, I don't know, could be perceived as inciting violence or incomplete. I'm not trying to speak negatively of Mike. Um, I don't understand, but I'm just conveying his, his he was deplatformed. Um, I never had that perception from any of Mike's content that it was um, introducing into anybody's mind a, a thought to go ahead and, and to introduce harm to somebody, especially um, in some kind of um, you know, manner that wasn't um, as a as a result of trying, you know, non-aggression principle. I mean, of course, he's sharing. Uh, you know, if you are being attacked at home or you know whatever, you know, here's some things to consider, ways to make your your property safer. But I mean, there's a lot of people out there that do that. Um, what you know, what was the cause that that got Mike deplatformed? I don't know. But to me, it's an eye opener because I would have, uh, you know, looking at Mike's site, looking at Mike's content, I was like, this won't happen to Mike. Um, and it did. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about regression to mean here at the start. Then um, because something has happened really fast with regression to the mean, and I'm going to need to update my graphic. We're going to talk about school funding what it means under a Biden administration. So as a former school administrator, I have uh, some, I, I think, very accurate um, predictions on what we'll see here in the first 100 days of the administration um, and what the initial kind of legislation would be that would come out that would impact schools. There will be some areas that will be significantly different than um, a Republican administration. And yes, I know that we haven't had a certified election yet. Um, I'm going off of the presumption that um, that Joe Biden will be sworn in as, as president of the United States. And then um, I want to talk about um, AOC's um, list of truth and reconciliation, <laughs> basically saying, is somebody putting a list together of people who have donated to Trump or the Republican Party, um, who have you know, um, written maybe favorably articles have, have I, I guess any, anything that somebody has done where they've been associated, um, either with Donald Trump or with higher levels of the Republican party and make this list public. And then somehow this list would be cross-checked, right? By citizens. If you're potentially, um, hiring somebody, you could cross-check to see if they were on this list. Um, and what this means, all right, so the fact that she said this, nobody else in the, in, in the party has come out to oppose it. Um, what this really would mean and how fast this could develop or what it would mean for people then identified on this list and also what that has to do with um, something called social credit score. 
And this is starting to fall into place um, pretty fast on how I thought it would. Not that I could see the future on this, but if we did get to something like this, this pattern develops very rapidly. Um, we're also starting to see people overtly go and make statements on YouTube um, saying that they now are, um, this is basically disassociation, right? Like that I, I no longer, um, or I've, I see the errors in my ways um, with the previous or the current administration, which will be exiting. Um, I am, you know, basically saying to the incoming administration, you know, don't put me on a list and, you know, consider me. Obviously, there's things, um, if, if grant funding, you know, uh, jobs, all of these things. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I've got some interesting, I think, perspectives. One is actually even HVAC systems, all right? I'm gonna get into why I think this election um, is going to, to have a big impact on HVAC systems. And it's not probably what immediately we're coming to mind is we're gonna have some super HVAC system, but let's get into it. Let's kind of sy systemically go over, over this. So, um, so get on Gab. So yeah, let me catch up here in the chat a little bit. Um, yeah, red. Just walking my bike route. That's not a bad idea. Um, we do have some trails around here. The thing is, we've had a few hard freezes, so I could walk the trails without having to deal with the bugs, which would be nice. Um, I usually I bike on country roads, so just to walk along the side of the road in and of itself isn't very exciting. Um, but I think you've you've got you've got a couple of good ideas um, for me to be out there, but. Um, so yeah, David was saying the jackboot of censorship is is happening. So uh, for the first time today, I went onto YouTube and I started to um, get notices when I would go to videos and it would pop up and say, are you sure that you want to watch this video um, because it has violent content or something to that effect? Never had this happen before. These aren't videos that are out of the scope of what I've watched in the past. Um, Actually, some of these are having to do with like uh, military uh, campaigns of the Civil War. And really to, I mean, part of it's just an interest and part of it is to inform some of the work that I'm doing with writing. Um, so, you know, looking at, okay, what, what were some of the campaign statements that were said um, at different times during the war and, and how did that work with, with the population, right? With if in the North and the South to try to, um, make a population either motivated or stop languishing or something like that. So it goes along with, with my work, but I'm going to just pause right there. Um, here's my book, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. And yes, school safety, but so much more. Chapter one, how thinking about a bagel can get you through the worst day of your life. Uh, I have a chapter in here talking about the Cajun Navy, um, how the Cajun Navy participated and manifested the rescues for Hurricanes Katrina, Harvey, and Irma. And I, I think that the Cajun Navy concept can play a big role if we do have some type of governmental uh, breakdown um, at, any, at any time now. I was kind of thinking, what would happen um, if things did collapse and supply chains collapse? And we really would see a Cajun Navy um, would come into play. So, um, but yeah, 
So anyway, it is my birthday. Da -da 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 -da. I say it's my birthday. Da -da 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 -da. It is my birthday. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, it's my birthday. So, wow. Um, Joe's indicated they're openly calling for the abolition rewriting of, of the Constitution. Um, yeah, um, I, I am, I am, I guess not, not surprised um, by that. I, I, I don't know. So, I, I was watching uh, Scott Adams. You know, Dilbert uh, Scott Adams back in end of May, early June, when uh, intense riots across the country, close to where I'm at, it was Madison, Wisconsin. Scott was saying at that time it'll be, you know, a decade or two before there's a discussion about um, gun control, right? About telling, you know, people either, for example, you have to register your guns or be an outlawing of guns because at that time, you know, people were seeing what was happening. You know, streets were being taken over, businesses looted, people being, um, you know, pulled out of cars. And so that was, that was less than six months ago. And, I perceive that that agenda is is back on, right? That that agenda will be um, coming out of of the Democratic presidency, um, probably within the upcoming year. I mean, right? Because when you know Joe was campaigning, it was register your guns. There would be an annual fee for different type of weapons. So basically, you know, it's like registering your car, kind of, right? Um, so you'd have to have some kind of tag, right. To have it, have, you know, whatever weapon or whatever magazine and, and basically would be putting this tax thre threshold on where it would be prohibitive to keep without technically outlawing, you know, you can keep this right, but you have to pay whatever. And if you don't keep this current and currently registered, um, then it's a violation. So we went from, you know, I think that discussion being completely off the table um, five, four or five months ago to now uh, being very much on the table, at least from um, a democratic platform. So this gets into the whole regression to the mean, velocity of information. I'm just over here. I've got three monitors. How fast information can change right now. Um, and you know, it is, this is par for the course if we look at what is called the velocity of information since March, that things really swing substantially one way or another. So I'm bringing up a diagram, which we are going to, I'm going to use to help us kind of get through this. Um, here we go. And okay, so I've got it up on a on a side screen, I'm going to make it a little bit larger. I'm going to pull it up over here, but let me check the uh, let me check over here in the web. Uh, David wrote, uh, um, "Has anyone noticed that the panic over COVID-19 disappeared today with um, thousands of Biden supporters dancing in the streets, all uh, crunched together?" Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, we haven't we haven't seen that. It's actually. Um, you know, pushed off of the headlines. And here's something to watch um, in the next week, two, three weeks, when the when the news comes on, right, or ABC News, right, at night, um, how much time they spend on 
the coronavirus. So what I've seen now in the last couple of days, well, obviously you would expect the election to be center stage, but it's mostly an updating of this many cases and counts and whatever. And then it's, it's moving on to these other stories. So uh, you're, you're just not going to have a, a pickup on this unless you have a mandate of a national mask mandate, right? Which um, Joe had said, Joe Biden, we, you know, is in the campaign ads, we need a, a national mask mandate. And I was thinking, well, the thing is with that, right? Um, one, whatever science you can d- dispute, but let's just say um, this happens. There's a national mask mandate. Um, who's who's going to enforce this mandate? Like who is going to do that? Because we still know at a local level for the most part, and I think Joe, you wrote about this, maybe you can put in, in the chat to clarify, but, um, but at a local level, I mean, it's the sheriff that's gonna make that determination and, and those, a lot of the sheriffs are saying, we just don't have, you know, we don't have the workforce, one, and we also don't believe that this is, this is in the time of a stressed relationship with our populace, that this is what we want to do, right? We don't want to add this the strain to it. In the and also the fact of like most people are compliant. You tell them wear a mask, they'll wear a mask, and the social distancing. Most people are doing that. So here's here's the thing. So Biden, when you run on something that pretty much everybody is doing anyway, you know, like I'm running on a everybody wears their seatbelt campaign. Well, it's pretty easy to do that because most people will just wear the seatbelt if it's there for the most part, right? You don't have to have this major campaign because you've already gone through whatever education there is. And again, I'm not, I, I'm, I've seen, you know, much conflicting science, right? On this, but let's just assume for the moment that this, you know, there, there is a scientific, you know, method to say, you know, Doing this is going to have a, we believe will have a substantial effect. I mean, nobody's perfect in real time, but let's just say that that's the argument. You probably would get most people to go along with it. So so to come out and to say, I'm declare, you know, I would declare this national mass mandate is pretty, pretty obvious. Like, right? It's like saying, I will declare everybody will wear seatbelts. I mean, when you do things where you don't, who's going to, I mean, you have some people, right? that would argue that, but for the most part, you already have people accustomed to that. Um, So, all right, one, two, three. I think the show will progressively get better here. Um, Hang in there. All right, we're gonna top the hatch. All right, okay. So let's get back to velocity of information. I'm gonna change up the screen. So what you're gonna see right now is a diagram um, of the velocity of information, share the screen. Here it is, and I'm gonna describe this. Um, Okay, so what you have in front of you right now is a diagram um, that I used in a previous um, podcast. This is actually the premise for my book, uh, the velocity of information, the book I'm writing right now. And let's just do a recap right here. Um, so over here, 
this was before uh, coronavirus. So this is, you know, before March 13th, 2020. We remember this time largely as a utopia. It wasn't, of course, but we remember it better than it was. So immediately media gets on. What do we hear? And we hear um, this, you know, virus is going to sweep across the country. Um, we're going to be in short supply with ventilators. Remember that it was ventilators and 95. Um, you know, we don't have enough masks, but also hospitals needed ventilators, which proved not to be accurate. But um, people went crazy. They went to the stores, you know, bought out toilet paper, hand sanitizer, soup pasta. Just, I remember being um, at the store at night, um, the grocery store. My wife and I were tag teaming. She was, you know, going there in the day I went at night. And I just remember people, it was like a meteor was going to hit the earth. I mean, I was talking to a guy probably like in his 20s, and like a case of beer on his shoulder. He's like, well, this is it. You know, I'm going out and style. I mean, everybody kind of had this, this weird, um, you know, almost like a, a kindness and genuine. I mean, people weren't fighting over things, but it was, it was like everybody just anticipated this was out of their hands, the way the media had portrayed it. All this information came out, you know, a week from now, who knows if any of us would be around. It was crazy. So we have to understand chaos to understand, understand this discussion. Most of you do, right? Like you followed my work and you sharp and I appreciate that. Um, but so obviously people play this back. There's some people new to my work. Um, we have something called a Taurus, T-U-R-U-S, Taurus. Taurus means that largely, okay, we can have predictable days. Yesterday, uh, today will be similar to yesterday. Tomorrow will be similar to today, T-U-R-U-S. And that's how we, that's how we function. Uh, Taurus, um, is, is something also we're hardwired to accept. So if the power goes out, you know, for 10 or 15 minutes, we're just going to be like, it'll come back on. We don't go to that second level thinking of, well, maybe there's something more significant that's going on here. Maybe I need to, to um, you know, do a little investigating, try to figure out what's going on. We just, we just kind of accept things. Um, when things start to go away from our Taurus, like if you're out of power for two or three days, um, then we start to to get more frantic or frenetic. Um, what happened with the coronavirus? Force compliance, right? Okay, it's a stay-at-home order. It's a shelter-in-place, safer-at-home. That starts to have cognitive dissonance or where people start to get very nervous. They don't understand. They can't grapple with why. Why has my routine fallen apart? Um because of this new force compliance, which we had, you have to wear a mask, you have to be six feet away, schools are closed down, businesses are closed down, the hours that you can shop have now changed, all of this coming out. And a lot of that's new information too. You're getting new information coming in. All of these terms are starting to, to come in, um, flatten the curve, safer at home, and 95. So um, starting to overwhelm people. So we get in here into the end of, end of March, um, Things, the velocity of information, this is a scatter. It's like a, a you know, basically, it's just getting thrown out there. Um, the media, the local media is just repeating what the national media is saying, and they're just getting it out to you, right? They're just stumbling. The, they, don't, they don't know what the terminology is. It's just absolutely crazy. Um, so it's getting out there. 
But then end of March, a couple of weeks later, this is when all of us got those emails from all the companies. Hey, Calvin Klein or whatever, like, hey, we just want you to know we appreciate you as a customer and, um, you know, we're here for you and stuff like that. I mean, it's virtue signaling, but things get more target. Local news starts to cover local issues that have to do with the coronavirus, um, start to interview local hospitals, stuff like that. So velocity of information, initially, it just is this crazy throwing out of information. Nobody knows what to make of it, including the local news uh, broadcasters. And then it gets more targeted toward the end of March. We have all these new terms that we have to incorporate. And we move those from our vocabulary to our lexicon, about 15 terms in all, um, which is really a lot. In 2017, the only term we moved from a vocabulary to lexicon was spaghetti man. So anyway, a lot of stuff's going on. Wet bulb effect, people are getting saturated with information everywhere they go, all the notices, everything they're getting in the mail, all the signs they're seeing when they're going out. And we hit this thing called finite voltage at 90 days where people just kind of lose it. When you get to finite voltage, um, if you're not going to return to quote unquote kind of normal to our Taurus after 90 days, people, a lot of people will exhibit crowd in behavior. And that's when you buy things that make you feel good. We saw this manifest at, um, Stores were selling out of puzzles, out of video games, out of interior paint, canning supplies, um, blankets, pillows, things like that. And a lot of those things have to do not with scarcity. You're not buying out all of the pillows because of scarcity. You're buying them because they make you feel good or the video games. So here's something to know. When you cross finite voltage with crowd and behavior, basically crossing the streams and ghostbusters, this is very bad. This indicates that people... Are, are frazzled, they are out of their routine, um, things aren't coming back to a routine. It's like, you know, every, every day when they get up, they don't know, is there gonna be another announcement? Have the hours changed at my local store? Um, can I, I not do something else? Has another venue closed down? Um, someone's tested positive for COVID. Okay, so now my kids are back home for two weeks at school because somebody in their class, all of these things are happening, right? Oh, my, you know, my bank now, has shut the lobby down. The, this stuff is out of stock at the store. I can't get it in. So people around August hit this point when they didn't know when things would get back to quote unquote normal or a Taurus or kind of similar. And that's really dangerous. That's a bad psychology to be in. in as a civilian population, it was probably the early 30s through about the start of World War II when people were in this mindset. And there's numerous interviews which I'm incorporating in the book where they interviewed people, you know, 1933, 35, and they're like, this will never get better. Life sucks. I hate this. This is horrible. And, um, and you know, in, in you could still, you know, get out and, and largely, um, you know, connect with nature, work in fields, do things like that. I mean, you didn't have the social media aspect that we have today where, I mean, any news you were getting was coming word of mouth or coming, you know, largely either through the radio or through newspapers, but uh, so it's the velocity of information, you know, it was much, much slower before it kind of got real targeted. You can hone this in super fast now, um, as we've kind of seen, and this will only get quicker. Um, but anyway, so we're in this really bad place of crowd and behavior. So present day, what happens? We're over here in present day, and we have something up here called failure to regress to the mean. So this is all my stuff. Like, I'm not pulling this out of a book. I've created this. I'm writing this book based upon much research I've done and and so forth coming into this. But anyway, we have this term called failure to regress to the mean, which means when you cross finite voltage and crowd and behavior, 
that point forward, the only way to describe that is failure to regress to the mean. Basically, failure to regress to the mean. If if you um, you know you're, you're a baseball player over 162 game season in the major leagues, uh, you know if you have if you have two weeks where you know you are you are hitting uh, two home runs a game and your on base percentage is 800 or something like that, that's just not going to last, right? You just know. But it's something called positive recency, where people believe that if something happens, it will happen again and again and again. It's like the hot hand theory in basketball um, or, or sports. Someone, you know, they've got the hot hands. So what they actually do is they keep feeding them the ball more so they have more opportunities of kind of a volume performance. Um, so the thing is that... So we have this, this, it kept going off the chart, right? You're not regressing. I got to, I got to bring this back so you can actually see me um, stop sharing. Okay. So what's happening is this is normal, right? This is kind of, this is typical every day. There really isn't anything as normal. There's things like similar similarity, like things are similar, but they is similar. So you want to get back to this most people right you 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 want to get back to when the power's on when you don't have to wear a mask when the stores are stocked um all of that type of stuff you want that and the more you're into this finite voltage crowding behavior you will work even harder like to get that you will give up stuff to get that right um so if i oh if i have to get a vaccine yeah fine like this is what people will say. I'll, I'll go for it if I can get a vaccine, so I don't have to wear a mask and I can visit my relatives. I'm for it. Social credit score, which I'll bring up in a little bit. Tom Scott has done um, did an, uh, a nice presentation on that. It's under three three minutes, but I'm going to tell you social credit score. If someone says, "Yeah, I don't care," track my cell phone, track my purchases. Let me know if I've gotten too close to someone with COVID and if I have to self quarantine. But if you if doing that lets me get back to Normal, sure. These are very dangerous things. Once you do this trade-off, the social contract thing, to try to regress to the mean, if you think you can cut these deals or be part of these deals to regress to the mean, um, first of all, it doesn't really work that way. It's an illusion, but it is a good way for people in power to <laughs> to get you to go along because if they're saying, well, if you do this, things will get back to normal, and you liked it when things were back at normal, right? You liked when the end caps were had things on them at Walmart and you didn't have to wear a mask and your kids were in school and all of these things and NFL stadiums were full and stuff like that. Like you like that, right? Well, here's what you can do to get back to that. But the thing is like, there was no plan to get back to that. Every day was just kind of going more wonky. Like, were we going to go back into an additional lockdown? We had more um, areas on in stores, didn't have goods. Um, you know, what were things going to to look like? So people, so this we weren't regressing to a mean, meaning before the election, nobody had any idea when things would kind of start coming back to the mean. In time, everything does. Everything comes back to the mean um, in time. So if we draw out over 100 years, over 1,000 years or whatever, things find a way to adjust to a mean or statistically it's kind of like you know if you're rolling if you're rolling dice and you know if you roll one dice and you get a one and you get it 17 times in a row well if you roll that dice another 100 times it's going to adjust to a pretty typical statistical 
um, line, right? It's going to come up with a two and a six and stuff like this. But we get into this whole thing. It's called positive recency. I've talked about this before. But positive recency, I did a podcast on this. Um, we start to think this will never end what we're in. We also weren't coming back to a mean like a, a week ago. So I think that's one of the reasons now that I, I, I'm really trying to process through the election. I didn't anticipate uh, one that Biden would win. I was kind of in in the I, well, I was in the camp where Scott Adams was. Um, I didn't think the polling was accurate, and I didn't anticipate um, you know the the election turnout. I think some of the election turnout was simply convincing people through a, you know very carefully watching the ads that were coming in, stuffing in my mailbox and on TV and things like this, was some sense of you know of returning to to a regressing to a normalcy right there was some there was some i'm going back and looking at that i'm kind of seeing like that was that was a subtle tactic that was being used a vote in and we'll have a regression even though you can't promise any of this but this was kind of the message that was coming out so what happens so we have the election and because the the results are drawn out um it takes a lot of steam out of if there's going to be riots and things like that people um uh, you know, it, they're they're just deflated with that, and also I think people are like, well, um, we we anticipate that we aren't going to have a lot of big big swings. Um, we believe that this election has changed our trajectory from going up, kind of into chaos, back to a regression to the mean. And so this this is, I think, a perception. Um, whether it's accurate or not, I'm not here to 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 look out and make that. But I'm, but I think, I mean, people are like, okay, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a lot of domestic spending. We're going to have a huge stimulus bill. I mean, which you will, right? I mean, that will typically be a model of the democratic government coming out with a, with a massive stimulus bill. Um, I remember as a school administrator, when um, the bill came out with um, president Obama and it was, I forget what the name of it was, um, if anyone wants to put down there, but, um, but yeah, I need to, I'm sorry, I'm not putting your stuff up here, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I had era, era, uh, recovery act dollars, but I had as, as administrator, I had hundreds of thousands of dollars at my disposal to, um, use on a number of things. And I, I bought, you know, new vans for the school district and other things and renovations, um, in buildings and things like that. I mean, it was all, you know, I was a good steward, obviously, of the dollars. and But it was like, where else do we fund, where else can we spend these dollars with the limitations that were on them? You couldn't add staff or something that once the dollars were gone, um, you know, you'd have to pick that up on your own, um, you know, local costs. So you weren't adding staff, you were buying, um, you know, buses and vans and equipment and stuff like that. But you're, so anyway, I think people right now are like, okay, we've they've 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 crashed. They they were just fatigued, right? You can't stay in this the state of of chaos of the cross streams very long. Something's going to happen that'll bring you back. And I think it was this election and the fact that it looks like Joe has won it, which has brought people back. Now, so part of that is it's it's 
people just wanted that, right? They they just wanted that, so they read that in. If, if we get this, we're going to get this level of spending. We are going to get an increase in what unemployment, you know, uh, checks payments that had been delayed um, because you know that didn't get passed before the election. So, so I think we have regressed to the mean for a while. And we also regress to the mean that we haven't had substantial, at least televised, at least televised, right, um, riots and looting across the country. So the media has regressed to the mean. So I think that's part which is very interesting to note. The media, the the news media has regressed to the mean, um, meaning their coverage of of what you know what is happening is getting more similar to what it was back in maybe a January and a February. And I would say, you know, largely what will be put forward by the Democratic Party for legislation would be very favorably portrayed by the media, whether it's sound legislation or not. Like it just will be portrayed as this is something that is regressing us to a mean or getting people back toward a normal. People sense that, if people feel that, if the media tells them you are going back to a mean, a lot of people will just believe it, right? Because they just believe what is shared in, in the media. Um, and and they'll just be like, okay, yeah, we've made it through the rough patch. We felt the crossing of the streams. It feels different now. Um, and so, you know, this is this is kind of what's what's happening. So this is like one part of it, right? <laughs> this is one part of it. So let me you know, cross this off, regress to the mean. It's my birthday. Everybody's wishing me a happy birthday. So Dewey defeats Truman. Yeah, hey, Joe Bacon. Um, it was fun while it's lasted. Um, so Joe had indicated, um, I'm going to go back. Joe indicated um, they're going to use the virus order to keep a new lockdown to keep resistance off the streets. Yeah, I, I would anticipate um, that. And I would anticipate, um, well, we already know that, the, you know, there will likely be like a national mask mandate. The question is then, how do you, uh, if you don't have compliance with that, do you tie that in with funding, right? Do you tie that in with um, part of a bill that comes to state and local of saying, well, if you do choose locally to not enforce this, we will withhold funding to your community um, from a federal level. And so I don't know. I, I, I think we're going to see some legislation crafted um, that are, is going to have a lot of those conditional type of statements on it. So, hey, welcome, Sass. Too many. Hey, it is my birthday, everybody. All pro Leamington. It is my birthday. So glad to be here. Markergate is a serious winning no. Um, it's going it, to... It's going to snow tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Atham, wow. And it's like 62. It's going to be in the 70s for us here tomorrow, which is just going to be great. So um, school funding. How is this going to impact uh, school funding? First, a sip of knowledge. Sass, thanks for the um, birthday. So this one says 1995. I celebrated my birthday at Nitty Gritty Bar in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. So, so I got this on my birthday in 1995. Stevens Point, Wisconsin. So it's been with me a long time.
All right. Um, school funding. So I think we're going to see a, a huge, huge school funding bill that will uh, come out um, very quickly from the Democratic administration. And it's going to be different. So it will be focused on anything to improve um, if antivirus, uh, antibacterial, HVAC aspects of schools. So buildings, um, construction to give more portable spaces or, or more adaptable spaces in schools, um, all of those types of things. So this is similar to what happened in school um, after school shootings, um, funding that was coming out from states, largely not so much from the Fed to schools saying, put in bollards, put in bulletproof films for windows, even though it's interesting now, like some of these schools that have um, uh, window films on all of their first floor windows, you can't open the window after that, right? Once, once it's put on. And now some of these schools are needing to open the windows in, in order to have enough air circulating through the building. So they're actually compromising these systems that they put in place, but it's just crazy stuff. So anyway, um, here's the thing. Like what if, what if Biden would have come out and said, you know, at maybe like in the last 40 days, like this would have been after school starts, right? So, you know, somewhere between September and the election, he comes out and he says, um, we are going to, you know, if I'm elected, we are going to invest um, in our school safety as far as antivirus. Uh, we're going to um, put funding out there for improved um, HVAC systems, right? You'd have to do this at a layman level so people kind of understood it. But you could do that with enough graphics and stuff like that where it wouldn't be hard for people to kind of get the idea. And then you also do the, something, say, and everybody working from home right now with your furnace filters and your filtration and your apartment buildings or condos, like we are going to give grants to one, the, uh, or like a tax credit. So if, if you're renting, so, cause remember this whole thing of like renters aren't making payments on time and these rental holidays, well, you could have reached out to the, the people that own these properties and say, you upgrade your HVAC systems and you have some conditions in place like Energy Star, but it's like for HVAC filtration. Again, not that this stuff actually would ultimately improve um, the, the conditions, but, you know, it's something that would have been very marketable. People would have understood that. And I think it would have it, sh it would have shown that you're you're attending to the science. And then you could have said, listen, like we also know we have mold in buildings, mold in homes. Um and, you know, because of flooding, natural disasters, people have been impacted, could show an empathy, people with wildfires, smoke coming all around, people have, um, you know, sensitivity. We are going to make it possible for you, schools, businesses, homeowners, to improve your HVAC systems or your filters or filtration, and we'll give you tax credits or some subsidies directly for schools, like, to do this, right? And that would have been a big sell, like, people would have been completely on board with that because you say when the virus is gone, right? The vi all of this is, is behind us. We still have improved systems um, for everybody out there. You're going to be breathing cleaner air. Um, and we, again, we know with things like, um, you know, dust environmental or whatever, I just think it would have been a really keen approach for Joe to take. Right. I don't. I didn't see any of this really coming out of, of um, 
of the camp uh, of of Trump and his his campaign, you know, that they would have gone in, in this direction. But I wouldn't be surprised to see this become part of the Democratic um, package, the CARES 2 or whatever. And this is the way to get money to the schools because people aren't going to be as hip as saying, you know, directly funding teachers or funding whatever. So they put it into some other package of saying, do this. This will then allow you to infrastructure upgrades of sc in schools of your windows, of, you know, HVAC, of doors, of other things that you probably didn't budget for anyway or didn't have the money for. So I think that's going to be there, HVAC. Um, so what is it? Um, so, all right. So is that apple juice? Yeah, it is apple juice. You got me, Atham, it is. Um, and then Bacon Row Sox birthday, he chooses to spend it with us. You bet. So actually, um, I, I am glad to do this uh, show tonight. Um, did have a, a very nice birthday uh, with my family. But uh, but yeah, felt like felt like I had enough time to think through the last few days after being on the marathon episode um, election night with uh, Nick August, where uh, Bacon and uh, and the Rifleman and I, uh, I think we we were the ones that kept that going. Um, but I needed time to kind of figure out what really had happened. <laughs> so as if most of us, right, like you know the Sharpies versus like people, you know putting uh, window coverings up so you can't see who's who's counting a vote and all this other weird, bizarre stuff. I don't know. Um, you know what would be a great present? Get Doc's channel monetized. That would be a great present. Somebody, I mean, give me up to a 1,000 subscribers. So there's good content on this channel. Um, you know, please subscribe. If you have other channels you can subscribe from or just, like, let your friends know or whatever. Like, just please, 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 please do that. Um, Sass wrote, uh, Doc operates on a level at, um, above the average American story to say, but most people aren't capable of sentient thought, sentient thought. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, everybody in the chat, you know, Sass, Bacon, you know, I have uh, much respect. I really appreciate um, what you bring and and I think about it, right? And it really shapes how um, I, I frame what I'm working with. Um, and I really appreciate I appreciate a comment like that. Um, it's also it also is a reality, right? There's some frustration with that, and there's frustration, I'm sure, with you know, with with a lot of you um, when you try to to have near discussions with people who just aren't willing to have that discussion with you <laughs> on like this type of stuff. They just don't. They have, it doesn't confirm to their bias, or they just don't want to learn more about stuff, right? It's like, well, this is what I know from Fox News, or this is what I know from the, you know, Drudge Report, I'm just going to go with it. And we've lost that ability for debate. So this is where I really uh, value having, the, especially the chat up where we can we can go back and forth and get some of this out there because this is deep stuff. If we, and, and it's it's critical because look at, just look at what's happened in the last few days. Um, and now, you know, if we have, let's say a $5 trillion stimulus package, which is kind of the number that I'm getting when I when I look at what's you know county to state to you know national mandates to possibly education. That's like seventeen thousand dollars a person of additional debt. <laughs> I mean, like how and these are these are these numbers are so obscure 
right? Like, and, and you start to get these, these weird vibes. Like I remember when I, when I was, you know, early ta- voting where, you know, my voting impacted what was happening. So if I'm, you know, living here and I vote for a referendum, I have to pay the taxes because, but people just don't think that way. They, they vote stuff in without thinking about the consequences. Numbers become very abstract to people. People aren't good stewards of money. Um, and, you know, we, we had here, um, you know, neighboring district over $300 million in school referendum, you know, passed. And it's kind of, it's a tone deaf thing because you have a community which has, I mean, the district lost a thousand kids, by the way, that, you know, I'm referencing. So they, they decreased, but they also had substantial hits in the community and big bankruptcies and things like that. So, but yet you don't change your, you don't lay off, you, you don't have austerity measures. Um, and we see that as a country now, right? What is the difference between, well, if we pass a $5 trillion bill or a $10 trillion bill, it's, it's, it's abstract. I mean, it's completely abstract for all of us. And who's going to make you pay it back? You can say, oh, the, you know, Venezuela, there'll be hyperinflation. Probably not because in, until somebody challenges the U.S., right, which could be China, but it looks like it would have to be China. I mean, Japan's economy is, is not as strong as it was even a year ago. Um, but who's going to, if someone doesn't challenge you, you can just keep, you know, using this. And, you know, I think you can say, well, cryptocurrency could start to, um, play a factor in this. Yes. And I think that's accurate. Um, I think there's been some delay in cryptocurrency with what the, the fed just took a billion dollars from Silk Road, which had been put in some account and, and was able, they were able to, to, confiscate that money. I think they got the information from the person that had it. But um, but anyway, so yeah, that could start to come into play, I guess. But for the short term, I mean, we have the biggest military. <laughs> There's no one who's going to kind of knock us off the block. So you can do stuff like this, but it will have consequences. Like this whole thing regressed to the mean. You just can't spend and create money without a consequence. There will be a consequence. And at some point, a consequence would have to be austerity measures or, um, you know, it would manifest as interest rates. So your, you know, a home loan would be 10 or 15% back like it used to be. Um, interest rates, a five-year CD, you know, would be seven, eight percent Things like this would start to come into play to you to put some um, reflection on the, the currency that's out there, what is really happening for inflation. But it's not happening right now. Like we're totally out of whack with this. And that's where, again, we get this whole regression to mean at some point, at some point, this just, this does start to have to regress and fall back. And um, so something, so we talk about this HVAC student loans. This is the thing I've been, I was most concerned about <laughs> with a democratic victory would be the, basically the clearing of student loans. Um, and I think it's happening. I, I think um, so. Let's, um, Sass wrote, uh, the 95% are two type zombie nerfs and drones explanation in the coming weeks. Yep. Um, that night I drank rum and gin. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good night. Bacon and Rifleman and I kept that one going. Yeah. <laughs> Bacon, what was it? At the end of the show, it just went silent. And then, uh, Nick's bandwidth got eaten up his stream yard account for the next like four years. 
Um, SAS, their minds clam shut like a steel trap. Yeah, there are more people who just are completely unwilling to debate or talk about things. I noticed that at the university level. So I shared, it was a year ago, um, almost almost exactly a year ago, I went and guest lectured. It was asked to guest lecture at a major university, which is pretty typical. Um, you know, I've been on PBS and some other things. And so I did this specific presentation for the university. They'd asked me to come in and talk about um, how uh, people with disabilities, the interface between people with disabilities and like safety legislation, right? So um, it was a good presentation. I, I was glad to, to do that. Um, but what was interesting, I got in to give the presentation and the prof that was kind of in charge of putting all this together. This is a gratis thing too, right? So like, I'm not even getting reimbursed for parking. Um, it is kind of just, it's a gift. So prof pulls me over and says, um, well, I wanted to make you aware of something that we've changed at the university. I said, well, what? Well, we, we give people the option to, um, to leave the presentation if they feel anxious or um, just need time to process kind of what the, the presenter's saying. So, okay, so, um, so SPD has black oh, units standing by Capitol Hill. Something might go down, okay. Yeah, Bacon wrote, so Seattle Police Department has blackout units. Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be bumpy the next few weeks and it's just, I. I don't think it's going to be reported, right? I just don't think we're going to to see the media focus on this. The media will has a vested interest in portraying that this is a smooth transition. And so your member networks like Bacon right now, who is on the ground and, and knows this area and, and knows a baseline can provide it. Um, just had a pop in the chat for a second. Happy birthday, Doc. Hey. Thank you to my good friend from the lower part of the state. I'll be watching from the PS. Great stuff as always. I appreciate that. Please. Um, yes. And, and know also the doc is uh, making a run in fantasy football. I could be up in the standings this week. Uh, SAS too many. Um, CT will not cut spending or operating costs in any way. I expect huge increases in taxes and fees and new tools. Yeah, I agree. Um, the thing is, right, so taxes will increase tolls, everything else that can be taxed will increase. Um, so what threshold do you get where people don't pay? And, you know, kind of the laugher curve, right? We have a community next to us. I would have never seen this happening at the, in this community. It's a place we considered living when we moved here. And, um, you know, it's, it's about the same size as a community I live in, basically 10,000 people. And, through their change of government in this 10,000 people community and some other things. Uh, basically, um, a lot of people, more than half, don't pay their water bills now in this community. They just stopped. And the community and local government have, have said, well, we're not going to enforce it, you know. So suddenly, more people aren't paying their bills. And now they're large, larger employers, you know, industries, retail and stuff are saying, well, um, don't look at us to pick up the tab. Like you just can't have people decide not to pay their bills without consequences. And then this whole thing of people selling their house and 
the, the buyer is not responsible to make whole on the previous debt. And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening 15 miles away from where I live in a place I didn't think would go this route with politics. But it shows you, too, at a local level, you start voting in um, a couple people at a local level who have some agendas or really are, are kind of new or they're just not vested. <laughs> they can come up with stuff and, you know, pretty soon it just unravels. Like it goes really crazy. So chest, uh, happy birthday. I appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate that. Bacon. I tossed a couple of zombies today. Wow. Yeah. Um, I know Joe had a really crazy day from watching, um, watching what he was sharing on um, on Twitter. So, Juan, it's been crazy out here. Yeah, Juan, maybe tell us a little bit more about that. Um, so, yeah, so I think student loans, which to me is is honestly frustrating because, I mean, I paid for my, you know, university. Um, I did, I mean, I had some, once I get into my PhD program, I, I had some um, uh, fellowships that I was awarded through the university that I had applied for. But those are like standing you know, anyway, to, to a fellowship is it pays for like a semester for like a year or something like that. And it's people who have donated money to the university and you apply and what is like one of them was specifically for safety or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, I'm saying I like I paid. Right. And if I, I guess I, I can see some forgiveness, maybe, um, but I just don't see this blank slate like. How do we make whole to the lenders? Do you just write from the taxpayers a check to the lenders and say, here you go? Or do you give people credits on their taxes until their debt is, is amortized over so many years on their taxes and it's gone? I mean, you made that agreement. I get so sick and tired of this. Oh, I got into this agreement. I didn't understand what it was. Well, you know, I was a student. I also instructed a university level. Um, a lot of you, you knew what it was. And if you didn't, you should have asked. I mean, these are the same people who are buying cars or having families and things like that. Um, homes, you, you know what this is. And if it's not clear, then you ask. And the other thing is, you know, I have friends at work and, um, you know, loans at university student loans and they're saying, you know, people get their money and you would tell them this is what you, how much you have for your, your classes and books. And then if you have, um, money for, you know, that you can use for rental or other types of things. And of course, what are they buying? Like clothes and furniture and trips and stuff like that. And they're just running up these debts or debts on the credit cards for this college experience. And now I think there is going to be this forgiveness, this holiday. And at what point then do we just basically um, say, well, you know, university is going to be a public good but then you're going to have private universities, which will become very desirable um, because you're not going to have this substantially, I guess, watered down public experience of universities. I, I, I am very, that is, that's a part. I just believe if you've taken out, you know, these, these debts, maybe again, there's some forgiveness, but I'm very apprehensive. I think there's going to be a full forgiveness given. I wouldn't, I don't think it's going to happen right now. <laughs> I mean, why would you do it right now? You just won. So you don't want to, you want to hold some things for that 2022, um, you know, election when, you know, you've got some House and Senate seats, right? And you want to hold some of this for re-election. So you might do some and then hold that in for a pretty big bargaining chip, but you're going to see some of it now. You're going to give some relief. So 
I don't know. I'm a little irked on that. It's just, you know, it's like if you bought a house, you know, like I bought this house and you paid for it over a number of years on your mortgage and you clear it off, then somebody else buys a house. And in addition to buying a house, they're buying a car and, and, you know, subscriptions to Netflix and Hulu and Zulu and Ulu and all of these types of things and trips and this run up debt and they're not re responsible. And, you know, they're not making those sacrifices. I mean, I did a lot as all of you know, look, you know, all of us did, you make sacrifices, you, you make decisions on where you're going to spend your money. It's just really frustrating. So I think that's, that's wide open right now. Um, so let's see. Um, what do we have here? Catching up bacon. I tossed a couple of zombies today. How's Joe? It's been crazy out here. It's one, uh, bacon, Joe, no kidding. You post it. Um, one, I just think it's crazy that people think they're greedy for wanting to keep more of your money. Money that's already been taxed. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been looking at my, you know, our own fiscal situation as a family and what this, what the next four years likely means for that. Um, and then beyond, and, and there'll be adjustments, you know, that we'll have to make. Um, but I do think obviously we're in for higher taxes and co higher corporate taxes will be passed on. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I, I think we are in for a situation of that. Um, so Joe wrote bang switch, uh, somehow found video of it and posted Twitter. I even captured a trophy Antifa pin. I saw that Antifa pin, Joe. Um, yep. Saw that. Um, one, I don't sign anything unless I fully understand what I'm getting into. Once I understand, I usually don't go forward. People don't want to accept that they made bad choices. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. And, you know, again, at the co I remember in college so many times, you know, every every time you'd walk to class, there'd be people with tables set up. And here, you know, sign up for this credit card. And we'll give you a T-shirt <laughs> or a Badgers football or something like that. And it's like, you're stupid, Right. And people would do it because oh, I got a t-shirt, look at this, or I got this. And, and it's just insane. Um, but yeah, we, do, we don't teach people or we don't have where it is, you know, a more rigorous process or that, um, you know, you, you have to prove, I guess, that you are, you know, maintaining certain GPAs and things like that. I, I don't know. I, I'm really just I'm really fed up with that. Chester wrote, the government already insures those loans. They only have a reasonable duty to collect the debt. Biden created this problem with, as a, yeah. So so that's the thing, right? So basically it just gets, it, it, they, it just gets wiped off. Um, it no longer is something that you would accept a receipt for. You're not, you wouldn't accept people to make payment on these loans. Um, I would say that's a foregone conclusion. I, so with with this election, I believe um, that will happen. So we also are going to see something interesting with the Secretary of Education. So Betsy will be gone, and there's been talk of possibly bringing in a um, a uh, teachers a head of a teachers union from um, one of actually it was I, I guess kind of the battleground states. I know who the person is. I'm not going to say it though, but. Um, but if that happens and whatever happens, Betsy out, you go, you'll see a rollback to a Biden era um, guidance, which for, because I teach 
superintendent legal issues on this. It'll be anything that came out that had to do with um, like transgender students, for example, that will roll back to whatever came out during the Biden or the Obama administration. Um, you will also see um, a heavy um, push against charter schools and a push um, against private schools. Um, you'll see both both as far as like vouchers given to private schools. A lot of that's done at a state level, but that was going to be expanded um, under President Trump. He had, he had said that openly while campaigning that the money would follow the student and that will not happen under um, Joe Biden. And especially if they're who gets in as department of education at a federal level, um, you could have, you know, things coming out where any expansion, there probably wouldn't be any expansion of vouchers at a federal level. And here's what happens is if states expand and the Fed is in, in agreement, the the basically the Fed can say, you can expand it, but we will now withhold some federal dollars that we were going to give to you, state. So this is going to be this, I mean, this will get litigious and things like that. Corey DeAngelis, if you don't follow him on Twitter, is probably worth, um, I wouldn't say probably worth, he is. Corey's, Corey's a really uh, solid solid guy. Um, Corey DeAngelis. Jesus, if anybody can, that's not even, that's not even right. But anyway, um, Max Eden is somebody else to follow. So this, this will happen. If you, are um, in, involved at all with uh, school choice. Um, the the next four years expect that to be significantly uh, limited. It won't be expanded. Um, and I don't think there would be a contraction because that would need to go to, for example, like a Supreme Court, which likely would not move on a subtraction of that. But you could, you could definitely um, get some pressure from the Department of Ed saying, you know, like this race to the top money. money. Remember that under, um, you know, the well, it's both Republican and Democratic um, parties in, in charge when that's that type of legislation has happened. Um, but, you know, basically saying, you know, we'll give you money, but you'll also have to follow these conditions. And one condition would be you're not going to expand, you know, charter schools. Um you're, you're going to see a big push, too, for uh, unions to, to gain ground again, especially um, the Department of Ed will be uh, for that. You're going to see um, more push toward teacher rights as far as, like, um, we won't go back to a school unless a school has met these five conditions. You know, one is, you know, like, everybody has masks. Uh, we have a, a paid position as a sanitizer. This could be something that's funded. Actually, I wouldn't. I, I I would expect we'll see things like this out of the the stimulus bill now that it will have a, a Democratic president leading it, Democratic team. Um, you will see things like we will pay schools to employ people who specifically clean high contact areas. And so you could have these like conditions, an HVAC system and, you know, whatever um, PPE for teachers. So you could have literally four or five conditions that your Department of Ed could mandate and say schools have to do this. Now, school, school, schools are local in control. 
So we don't have, for example, we don't have a federal government uh, bill. We don't have a federal government law that says all schools have to lock their doors during the day, instructional time. That doesn't exist. So, but again, so this could come out and, okay, so Bacon's saying he's seeing in Seattle, is it Bacon, Antifa marching? Um, so they're saying, uh, so anyway, there could be these conditions that then are met um, or, or judged not met for a school that could be benchmarking to this federal standard because we don't have it right now, right? There is no federal standard for when a school should or shouldn't open. It's to the state. States are really defaulting it down to the very individual districts. Here, Wisconsin 421, they put it at the district level. I know that because I teach superintendents. It's exactly what they tell me. Um, so so what, the, what could happen though, Department of Ed could say, here are the conditions and if you meet these conditions, we will open up some dollars for you for additional um, technology. Because, you know, if you have students that you're teaching remotely for part of the time or to upgrade your, your technology systems, that can be really broad, right? But they might say, we're going to open up, you know, a state-by-state -state level, you know, up to $500 million or a billion dollars in technology or whatever it is, or it could be more, whatever, if you do these things. So there can be a lot of like, well, okay, we'll play along with it. We'll do it, like, right, because we want the money. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of that type of stuff. If you are a teacher, if you're an educator, um, this election turned out it, um, exactly as you wanted it to turn out for your, um, you know, for the future of, of what will be funding in your schools and, and also for a potential increase in teacher union um, rights and, and strength. Again, that's more of a local control thing, but um, hey, Conk, birthday bash. Yeah, it is the birthday birthday bash. So Bacon wrote, an economically a, uh, educated population raised too many questions. Current system, there's reason not to be taught in schools. Yeah. Um, so, so let me go with Mike Glover now. So let me bring up... Um, I'm going to bring this up on another site. So for those of you not familiar with Mike Glover, uh, Mike Glover, well, let me try to bring up a, a lot of his stuff has been removed. All right. So. All right. I'm going to pull up his um, Instagram page just so you get a context for Mike Glover. So. Stay with me. Hey, if you haven't crashed that uh, thumbs up button, I would do it. If you haven't subscribed to my channel, please do so. Please tell other people to subscribe to my channel. If you haven't read or bought or left a review for School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety of um, in America on Amazon, please do so. It's been hanging around. Um, it's been hanging around, but 32 reviews for too long. Needs to needs to go up. So I'm going to bring up Mike Glover's page right now. Share screen, and uh, here's Mike. Okay, so that's Mike's um, Instagram page, and so um, Mike is the owner of Fieldcraft, and basically says living my prep life on YouTube, host CEO Fieldcraft Survival Podcast, survivalist, outdoorsman, nerd, special forces, CIA. So. Um, Anyway, Mike was Mike was basically deplatformed um, in the last 24 hours. So his uh, Instagram, YouTube, um, pretty much everything. Well, I guess here's Instagram, right? But 
Uh, most of his stuff was was taken down. Twitter, I mean, he gave a whole list of what had um, what had been down. Okay, so he wrote, um, Big Tech, delete it 14 hours ago. My Instagram, Discord, Facebook, and now Shopify shut down my website. And what he, and he says, all for teaching survival and preparedness. Um, so he lost, and this has happened a couple times. He's been targeted. But this this is um, this is huge. So, if you think of the survival community, some uh, Juan is writing some San Francisco daycares aren't letting parents inside the building at all. It's crazy. Parents aren't even okay with this. Wow. Um, so Mike Lover, uh, and Mike has been interviewed. Um, he's you know national media several times. So he was doing uh, various classes trainings. Mike's very transparent, uh, very on the up and up. I learned a lot from from his content, but he would do classes. Um, yeah, uh, basically survival, how how to use a firearm, right? Which you have a Second Amendment right to do, and but how to how to prepare um, yourself on a mindset if something happens. And it wasn't again, it wasn't in, focused on what if there's a takeover from the government. It was a general focus of situational awareness and how to to build that strength and also how to build fitness. So, um, you know, I'm I was watching Mike's stuff. I was was keeping apprised of what he was doing. I was very fascinated. I thought he was a very level guy. Presented, you know, he has a has a employees, has a business, has a warehouse. I don't know if it was in Utah where he's where he, not Utah. I think it was Idaho where he was out of. Um, he had moved there. Um, specifically to, you know, to start this business, uh, things were going well, and literally uh, was was shut down. Everything was shut down. His website was taken down. He said even his mom's uh, Facebook account was was taken down, and he doesn't have any access to any of his previous stuff. So of course, you know, he has this thing saved and he can restart. But it, as he talked about. Um, how long can you really do that? How long can you keep, you know, booting your your company back up after you are, you know, deplatformed? De it's not even demonetized, deplatformed. Um, people, and then also this question starts to come up, right? So if people are wondering, wow, like Mike Glover, who works with the CIA as a contractor, um, very reputable military career, very intelligent, um, and you know he's, he's Mike is is not um, he's not cursing, he's not threatening, very intellectual. Um, so I mean, Mike is kind of like a Bear Grylls type person, right? So a lot of these were just shows that you would have seen five years ago of the type of things that Mike does. Um, and there's nothing wrong, right, with having classes to teach some survival things. He's not having a class to teach people how to overthrow a government or something like that. Um, and, and so he, he was perceived as, as a threat by obviously um, some people, this is a coordinated takedown. Um, so the question comes up, if Mike could be taken down, who else can be taken down? Who else is out there in the survival world, the prepper world, on that kind of fringe area of even like camping survival and stuff like this, that might be seen as, well, we don't, we don't want this person. Um, we don't want them out. We don't want this message getting out there. So they're done. 
actually, I just I saw something brand new here. Um, Google just um, took his his uh, knowledge panel and took his claim off of his knowledge panel also. So this is just crazy stuff, right? So here's something else. Um, so all right, so Sast is saying he can see Mike's videos on YouTube. So I can I can see them now too. So I've seen the stuff back. Um, so let me, I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to go to a post that he, he made. Let me bring that up, um, share screen, share screen and right here. Okay. So look up here, uh, Mike wrote, um, November 7th, 8.47 a.m. Big Tech deleted my IG, Discord, Facebook, and now Shopify shut down my website, all for teaching survival and preparedness. Where am I? And, you know, it's got um, 681 likes, 22 quoted tweets, 136 retweets. So so it gets, it gets into this real question, right, of who's next? Um, or, you know, like some of my content, um, now I don't make a living off of this, but Mike does. Mike makes a living off of his site and of his courses. And it's not only that Mike can bring this stuff back up, but now with, um, AOC, right. Uh, Cortez uh, coming out and saying, all right, is somebody compiling a list of people who contributed to the Trump and campaign administration who participated in any way favorable to the campaign, uh, making a list of these people. Um, the question is, I mean, do people start questioning? Do they interact with Mike Glover? Do they purchase something from his site because is it being tracked? Now, I'm not saying this to try to steer people away from Mike. Again, I've, I've, I like Mike. Um, I believe he's very transparent. I think his, he's terrific uh, with situational awareness, very ethical. But if is this what's happening? Is, is by, by deplatforming and having to force him to bring things back up again or to generate new sites, do you start to sow doubt into people's minds of saying, I don't know if I associate with someone that's been deplatformed, am I now going to show up on some list that suddenly will become public? And what will that mean? What does that mean? None of us know what this means yet, although we know these lists exist. There's something called truth and reconciliation. I don't know if any, you know, well, you know, how familiar you are with truth and reconciliation. But what um ciliation so let me go just take a, uh, over to the to the chat um one said i'll take some pictures of a daycare by my job showing parents waiting outside for their kids okay um bacon any bets on when and why morgan's site and socials will we get bashed i'm hedging it'll be, it'll be over so so what bacon is talking about and i've kind of been careful not to go too much into this, but I do want to mention Morgan's site. So I'm not going to bring it up um, unless maybe I will. I don't know. But um, so Morgan prepared. I guess I will bring it up. Um, Morgan Rogue. Um, So Morgan is a um, preparedness expert, and I don't 
rogue preparedness. Okay, I'm getting to her website, so I can I can bring it up if it's it didn't immediately. Here we go. Okay, so let me show you um, Morgan's website. So again, Morgan was a guest on my on my show. Share screen. This is Morgan's website. And this is roguepreparedness.com. Um, let me go to just the main website here. There we go. Okay. So this is Morgan's website. And let me let me get your um, Twitter announced once Trump leaves office, his Twitter will be suspended permanently. Wow. Um so this is Morgan's website. She was a guest on my show. Are you storing salt? Uh, what preppers should do? And she covered combat short supply chain shortages and things like that. So again, I, I think Morgan is terrific. I appreciate her content. Um, and but could somebody look at this and argue and say, oh, this is this post here about combat supply short um, supply chain shortages and showing empty shelves? This is. Um, inciting fear like i mean so it's this whole thing right with hostile work environment if somebody uh, says that a company hey did, you know you are creating a hostile work environment uh, now hr has to come in and investigate that and what does it really mean to create a hostile work environment like are you not saying hi to somebody in the morning are you i mean uh these things start to become very vague so you know what if someone did look at this and say you know this is conveying a very frightening image to people. It is encouraging people to um, uh, go in and further clear out shelves because they believe there are artificial shortages. So let's see, you know, things like make your own candle. Look, this, all, this is all great stuff. Look at preparing for civil unrest. Okay, so could you make an argument um, on this post of saying, you know, you, you click on where the post is of saying, you know, this person is making statements which allude to civil unrest, getting people primed for this. So it is, it's crazy, but that could happen. That could, that could happen. That site could be taken down. Um, I hope it isn't. And Morgan, I'm not trying to get your site taken down, <laughs> but I, I want to start giving some benchmarks of once some of these sites start to go or be compromised. And Morgan did say she had some YouTube videos demonetized, and she also did lose a substantial number of subscribers in a short amount of time out of the blue. Um, well, in the last you know few days. So let's go back to uh, Cortez's list. You know, there should be a list put together of people who have contributed to the Trump administration and whatever, um, you know, participated in kind. That goes very close to um what is known as truth and reconciliation. Um, actually, let's go. I'm going to go back up to Anthem. Anthem wrote, um, even Trump was heavily censored by by Twitter. What can we as regular people expect to happen up? Uh, so yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, all of us will will be either censored by algorithms or just censored by um, a, a growing number of people who are, are watching hashtags and making reports. Um, I was shut down very quickly during the riots in Madison, Wisconsin, and the looting. Um, and I was I was providing um, very spot-on, accurate content from a professional opinion 
And um, from what was happening per the media portrayal, uh, for example, media being uh, young media, um, personnel being positioned way too close to very um, uh, volatile situations. And uh, I was I was done. I was taken off. My social media was was all you know shut down. Um, I think I know the organization that reported <laughs> me. I did have one like kind of back and forth on, and then a lot of my tweets were gone. Like pretty much all the stuff that I did that night was gone. I did have one. I went on a podcast that was was kind of compromised too. But um, but yeah. So the question is. Um, let me go. Truth and reconciliation. So what is that? So truth and reconciliation had to do with after World War II, um, you know, basically making uh, the the Germans, for the most part, um, accountable for what had happened during the war. And then uh, basically uh, rewriting some elements of history and then also making uh, people who were um, and this happened in South Africa. There are different versions, but truth and reconciliation is basically trying to make a, a, a counting, making a list of people who contributed or could be identified as responsible for a certain period of time, which you deem as being um, adverse in different levels of severity to um, a society. So if you could say the last four years, the Trump administration was detrimental, uh, 230,000 people you know, died of COVID because, again, if you're making the argument that the administration didn't take COVID seriously, people contributing it to it um, were con contributing to this administration continuing, um, and they have some liability in this. So we're going to at least uh, make them accountable and na name by name or companies, right? So this is scary stuff because it really uh, prevents you from, from, uh, I guess, being uh, overt in supporting any position which could lose. Um, you're going to be very guarded on what you're sharing. So truth and reconciliation, what happens to these lists? Do they, when, they never go away, right? We're in a time when all of this is accessible. You could apply for a job somewhere and someone could you know, type your name and cross-reference and say, oh, you contributed whatever to this campaign or you attended this rally or you signed this recall effort for this democratic governor and th there could be these layers which are become kind of filters right for employers and not only employers it could be hey this business now they support it you know like look at mike lindell in my pillow you know so very overtly you know mike several times you know visiting the white house and things like that um to, to say that this this was a company and this was a person who was in support of a of you know a president who now in in retrospect through this AOC type listing and, and eventual committee which will come together whether that be formal or not or privately funded um, you're going to have people blacklisted I mean let's just say it blacklisted or university I've already seen this happened at a university level I've seen it in the last 24 hours people at a university level presenting. Um, so let me just get in. Um, God, nose is itchy today. No, it's, I'm fine. Something outside. Pretty sure everyone listening to this live is on a list. <laughs> Thanks. I know I'm on a list. Um, yeah, I I know I'm on quite a few lists. Um, Rogue Preparedness, Bacon, definitely on that list. Um, 
It's one reason why I never talk about any of my political ideologies. So I remember when you got shut out of Twitter that night. It was all was crazy. So yeah. Um, so the AOC stuff is really is is really crazy. No one that coming up and saying absolutely we're not going to do this. Um, and wouldn't you do that as an administration, right? Wouldn't you do that as a Biden Harris immediately say, um, we we want to unify the country and in this measure um, we do not support? Wouldn't you condemn that immediately, like tonight when they when they were on stage? Wouldn't you say, um, you know? But they didn't, right? So this will happen. So we also get into this thing called social credit score. And it's in it's in China. There's some level of it in Japan, um, but there is there is this likely strong likelihood that we will see in this in the next four years a social credit score in the U.S. We already have it, kind of right. You already have a credit score, like you have a FICA score and all that stuff, but a social credit score. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up, and we're gonna give this a try. And I don't know exactly how to do the audio, so it comes through on um, social God. social credit it's only it's it's less than um, it's less than three minutes this is this is a I've got it right here um, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 none good um, but there's I know you're not going to hear it unless I do something with settings cam mic audio audio default mic audio um echo cancellation all right let me let me do let me do this i don't i don't know exactly how to do audio so it comes through the all right does anybody know how to, to do this? You're growing a goatee. Yeah, I'll be gone tomorrow. I should grow it out a little further. Okay, I'm going to move over here to share screen. Some screens let you share audio. Look for the share audio checkbox on the next window. Okay, share screen. This is the screen I want. All right. Um, share audio. Okay. Okay. Be careful sharing audio. If you have a guest, they will hear. All right. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, okay. Share so let, let's do this. You okay. should be yeah. able. One. This is two minutes fifty two minutes long. Let me know in the chat if you can hear the audio. Okay. So let's do this. Tom Scott should be able. This is two minutes check out Tom Scott. Let me know in the chat if you can. He's been out there for like ten years. He produces these videos. Tom Scott should be really a high level figure. Two minutes check out Tom Scott. This video. Imagine the timing on this video. Imagine you're a great really a high level figure or any of kind of European type countries. Timing on France or whatever. And this could actually be happening right now. So you put this together. So this isn't actually happening at the moment. This could actually be happening right now. This could be a reality in the next. So this one, two, three years. I think it will be happening at the moment. This could actually be happening right now. This could be a reality. Okay, let me play this. So this one, two, three years. I think it will be happening at the moment. This could be Are you able to hear the audio? Let me play this. So this one, two, three years. I think it will be happening at the moment. This could be a reality. Are you able to hear the audio? Let me, let me... 
Okay. So I just cut it because you're getting it. But let me let me do this. I'm gonna do it a a different way. Cause it it is good. Let me let me do this. Hang in there. Hang in there. Don't bail. Hang in there. Okay, I'm not going to share audio, but I am going to play audio, and then I'll shut it down, so there should be no reverb on this. Okay. All right. I learned this from Bacon. Here we go. From January, every citizen of England and Wales will have a new social credit score. Government and private companies may use your social credit score to make decisions about you. For example, your score could affect the deposit you're asked to pay when renting a home. It could also give you discounts when you're shopping, put you in the priority queue for a new passport, or help you access some healthcare services more quickly. Your social credit score is based on information that the government already knows. The electoral roll, tax payments, criminal records, property ownership, and travel history. If you want to increase your score, you can choose to share more personal information securely with our certified partner companies. Information like your credit card purchases, communications and health information from your phone, energy use data from your smart meter, and your viewing and listening history from streaming companies. That information helps our carefully selected machine learning systems trust you, your friends, and your family. Plus, you can get fun tips on how to increase your score on the Social Credit app. Your Social Credit score is also affected by the scores of the people you live, work, and spend time with. Everyone's score is public by default. You can check it on the Social Credit app so you can make informed decisions about your life. You can hide your score, but in some cases, this may cause it to drop. Some things like disruptive actions, hiding your data trail, or making decisions that harm others could lower your score over time. If this happens, you may find it harder to access certain government and private services. So if you have an old housemate, friend, or relative that you don't spend time with anymore, you may want to file a formal notice of disassociation on the Social Credit app. If you're a dual citizen of Scotland or any other European Union nation, then privacy laws mean we can't give you a Social Credit score. Because of that, your access to some government and private services may be limited. If you're a citizen of Google, Facebook, or another corporation, please refer to their support pages for advice. Social Credit Scores from the Department for Community and Culture, helping us to help you. Okay, so as absolutely freaky, as that is. And I think, it, yeah, I've showed that one before. I mean, it's only th three minutes long, Tom Scott on, uh, on, on YouTube, but um, we're headed there. So think of the timing on this. If, if, you were, if you were to put this out right now and say you had a friend, right? And, and, and you're saying, listen, this just came out and you cut, cut the intro out of it and you know, just record it with your phone on a screen you could show this to someone and say, this is happening um, in January in, in Great Britain and France. 
and they would believe you. Like they would completely believe you if you showed this to them. And we are not far from this happening uh, in the U.S. And I think with this election, um, and and especially this move toward truth and reconciliation, and the list. I mean, so this whole disassociation thing. I have seen professors produce short videos and make them public, basically saying that one, they where they clearly stand is you know with with uh, the Democratic Party and what the Democratic Party framework is that they clearly stand with that, or if in the past they did stand um, with with Trump and some of the Republican Party things that they are now saying, I've learned and I'm not affiliated with that anymore. I've seen this. Like people are scared and people are overtly putting this out, hoping if this list comes to fruition or whatever, that somehow then this statement that they have made will exempt them from that list or be something they can go back as an artifact and say, well, listen, um, yeah, I was, as many people, I was fooled because I didn't have, you know, enough information. I was underinformed. Um, I was manipulated by this, this, you know, with this, this massive propaganda machine. And now I'm going to work extra hard to make sure that I, I make up for that. I've seen that. That's extremely frightening, that level of manipulation with people. Um, and, and certainly they're going to see templates for this, right? Um, you're going to start seeing businesses who will put this out there, um, some statement on, on their business. And I mean, if I were asked to give advice on this, right, I would, I would sit down and, you know, you'd have to say, well, I was, you know, there was this elaborate campaign. I wasn't informed properly, um, you know, whatever it was, but think about it. I mean, some of these people, like, why would college professors do this? Well, their students are going to track what they've posted on social media, other things they'll, they'll find out about them. Um, and if so, th they've got that going. If the universities are getting grant funding and someone has been um, overtly or, or not, I guess, very, uh, has been overtly affiliated with Republican Party in the past or whatever, um, that could compromise grant funding. Uh, it's just crazy to think about this, right? So, um, wow. But anyway, I, the social credit score thing, I think we're very close to. I think we've moved there with this election. To sell the social credit score would not be, um, would not be very hard. So let me uh, update in the chat here. Um, Sastro, too many turning off my GPS and Bluetooth again. I'm getting a Faraday bag just to be sure. So yeah, one of the things I had too on my my phone that I've never encountered before was the Aw Snap Air. Um, it's not internet based because I would have it, um, you know, drawing off my network or off internet, and and that was happening crazy, you know, for about a week, and now it's kind of resolved itself. Um, Sastro, they will get around that eventually. Bacon Man, 1984, 40 years later. Yeah. And now there's actually I, an app on my phone on the last upgrade, the, the regular upgrade, and there is a COVID um, tracking app <laughs> that's part of the Samsung upgrade. I don't know if any of you noticed this too, but um, it didn't initially. I was going through and, I, and then I saw it and I'm like, well, what's going on here? 
and you you can press and it will it will notify you if you've if you've been in close proximity all the stuff we talked about like back in march that would actually happen it's just right there now i guess it's an opt-in but who really knows how much of an opt-in it is um sastro um faraday boxes block all radio signals thinking about doing that to my house yep um i'm officially re-educated um it's, it's basically what we're kind of talking about social andrew wrote um Social credit is more complicated version of the Marine Corps pros and cons. I've seen new Marines be judged based on number and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So yeah, yeah. Um, Daniel Kahneman, who was a, a Nobel prize winning, um, a Nobel prize winner um, in social psychology wrote about that, got his book um, right here, Thinking Fast and, and Slow where the military was getting things down to basically a, a number. And a problem with, that, many problems with that, but one problem with that is you're taking a very small sample of, of something and trying to then say, this is how somebody will perform based upon this very small sample we've taken. Law of small numbers, it usually never works out if you have a small sample. So a few books I wanna I wanna just note. One is uh, Concrete Jungle by, by Clay Martin. And I, I bought this book a couple of months ago. This one came out maybe, I don't know, um, April, May. And he, so Clay was a, was a Green Beret. Um, I thought this book was extremely insightful. Clay mentioned several things such as like, don't publicly announce your affiliations, right? Just don't, you don't put a bumper sticker on your car or, or other things that um, announce whether it be a political affiliation, sometimes sports, whatever, because you just don't know how people are going to respond to that now. And, you know, you have a $500 deductible on your car. Someone sees something they don't agree with, they go up and they knock out your, your side window. You know, there's your $500. So he was saying, you know, just be very careful about in, in what you're wearing and stuff like that. Not to be cowardly, but just the fact that you you have to be very aware of how people are perceiving you. Joe Dolio talks about this and Spake and so many of you know you in the chat also mentioned this, being very aware of how you are being perceived in the environment. And this is the most recent book, Clay uh, released, Prairie Fire. I, I received it um, this week. So I had one quick read through it. So I'll read through it again. And he reiterates, you know, not identifying your affiliations um, and then gets much more um, uh, prescribed as far as like how to work with other people in your, you know, neighborhood, in your town. Um, if things kind of do hit the fan in different types of scenarios. So um, I'd, I'll give a better review on that book once I have time to go through it. Uh, but kind, but uh, Clay Martin, definitely worth worth a read. So um, reading here, Sass wrote, the device will log compass, heading, steps, turns, store data, and report back when online. So yeah, you know, that's that's the thing, right? Like everything is, is tracked today. So you can get a subpoena and find where, you know, somebody's phone has been, someone's car has been, any point in time, you know, look at, uh, Solocator is the app that Joe Dolio uses. So, I mean, so there are similar, um, you know, ways that you can easily just be tracked. 
um, transactions. If cashless society, so when you buy something, there's a point in time, you know, you've been there, that card has been used. So to th this whole, of, you know, where you are at in privacy and things like that and the number of surveillance cameras and things that see you, things that could contribute to a social credit score. And again, if you put this out there for people, um, and, and kind of blend it in, you know, like give us information about where you're at because we're going to use it to keep you safer when there's a pandemic. We will know if you've come in contact with people, we can let you uh, know right away that you need to self-quarantine. Well, you know, okay. I mean, some people will go for that. Like they'll be like, yeah, I want to know. Like if I was next to somebody um, and, you know, they tested positive and I was next to them 48 hours ago. So I'm going to self-quarantine or I'm going to get tested. But, you know, what does this mean for employers and jobs? What does this mean if somebody says, well, you know, I tested, um, you know, I was just notified that I have to stay home for two weeks and then I really can't do my job from home. I'm a, I drive a bus or I work, um, you know, at the, the power plant or something like this. I mean, not all of these things are going to be this smooth. And you can, I mean, this can go even further, social credit score. What if, you know, it's access to some medical records and you're, these people, I just, these people who, who send in their DNA tests, okay, I'm, you know, this is my heritage and stuff. Well, what if there's a predisposer that's discovered in your DNA and someone says, you're more likely to get cancer or you're more likely to, to come down with this virus than someone that doesn't have this certain signature. So now you've just, put yourself at risk from information you've shared, but you've done this maybe in order to get a higher social credit score. What does this higher social credit credit score mean? Does it mean, um, yeah, you, you get uh, in the U S you know, what would it mean? You know, cheaper flights, cheaper, cheaper gas. Um, do you get to check out um, quicker? I mean, I don't know exactly what it would look like in the U S or tax breaks is probably how it would manifest you know, that you, you'd get certain incentives. Um, but I mean, people could get pretty creative in how they did that. Or even like a, you could get access to Netflix or something. And if your social credit score was below whatever, you couldn't. <laughs> I, or even like how your phone, the speed of your phone would be or certain things would be throttled or whatever. Um, it would just, it would be largely inconveniences that would be built into your day. Um but it is, it is pretty, it's scary, right? So what AOC is, is saying, uh, Cortez, in putting this list together, we want people, we want a list of people who support it. You know, Trump and the campaign is basically this truth and reconciliation list. We want to make these people, re-educate these people or make these people pay. Um, and the pay might just be public humiliation, right? Um, but we want this list to be out there. But if there is a social credit score that's in the mix at some point, it's more likely to happen under a Democratic leadership than Republican, but I think it's very close to happening. Um, this can all be worked into that. Okay, this puts you at a minus whatever points. You now have to do X, Y, X, Z activities to earn back to this baseline social credit score. Um, so let's go Sastro. Too many good reminder. My legal advice can stay offline pretty long term, though. I need to get a phone, take the battery out of Andrew wrote, I have an Afghan. Andrew, if you haven't subscribed to me on YouTube, this channel, please do so. Also at Twitter, safety PhD, um, at safety PhD. I have an Afghan service ribbon as a bumper sticker on my car and a coworker asked me, why do you have a Mexican flag in your car? That's funny. Um, 
my neighbors are from Britain and they're elderly. And when they fly the Jack, um, you know, right. If you didn't know what the, the Jack was, you, you could, you, you could, you know, look at that and say, I, you know, maybe that's um, the Mississippi flag or something like, I mean, it's the thing is like, people just don't know the, um, they're not interpreting this, you know, you know, like in Madison, when the riots happened in Madison at the state capitol, a statue of an abolitionist was torn down and thrown into a river. So, I mean, people will, it's this whole thing of it, you have to try to figure out how people are going to receive these things. It's, it's this gray man. It's stuff like Joe Dolio talks about a lot even yourself of how, what you dress. I mean, like what I'm wearing right now, um, like I would feel comfortable wearing this, this, you know, to a lot of places um, because I'm not going to be very, uh, I would probably blend in. Like if I'm out, if I'm, if I'm doing vacation somewhere and I wore a shirt like this, this could be something like a local might wear, or it could be something that I'm wearing vacation. Now, if I wore a shirt that had on, you know, like a, a school logo, like where my kids go to school or something specific to like a sports team or something like that. Um, you know, then, then you start to identify where you're from. I was out in Boston a couple of years ago and I know like one of my friends was totally like, we told, you know, make sure everything is scrubbed of, you know, that you're from Wisconsin and from this other stuff, because, um, you know, we don't want to be identified that we're not local. And also, you know, even, I think it was like the locals out here typically don't wear like sneakers or at the time or whatever. So, but yeah, so it was just blending in. It was knowing, it was knowing your location. Um, so, uh, Bacon wrote, Dolio did a review on that book. Biggest criticism to talk of bayonets. Yeah. The, and I, Clay's books, you know, Concrete Jungle, I'd say is more theoretical. Both books, very good. I, I wrote a review for Concrete Jungle. Um, so far, Prairie Fire, I think, has a more aggressive tone to it. And there's definitely a substantial um, comparing and contrasting of firearms. So I, I, you know, depending upon how things go, but I mean, I could, I, I think that's kind of a, a dicey book for him to have on Amazon right now, just because of topic content, right? Topic content. Um, so I'm going to go through, uh, you know, I found things in there that inform the work that I do. But as I was reading through that, I'm thinking there's going to be, there will be some people who will read this book and, and already come predisposed with, with some thoughts and, and perceive this in a way where they'll, they'll you know, they, they might have some further feedback on, on what they think, you know, this availability of this book should be. Um, so um, they will get people to pay for it out of their own pockets. People are super easy. Yeah, people are easy to control. People are easy. That's why I said 70% of people, I think, would go with a social credit score. They want to come back to the Taurus. They want to come back to what they think is similarity or normal. And it was after 9-11, right? After 9-11, tell people, hey, listen, you got to take your shoes off at the airport. You can only take, you know, this much of a bottle of shampoo. And people are like, oh, okay. I mean, even that's, that's arbitrary. And the shoe thing, I mean, part of it is just to convey control and people agree to it. And the more people agree to it, it's just easier to further erode things from them. Again, right now, if you said that, okay, we're going to do this whole social credit score thing, um, 
and and I mean, you wouldn't exactly, I don't know, call it social credit. Um, I think you'd call it like civic responsibility if it was U.S. And people be like, yeah, I want to be civically responsible. I mean, for the most part, and you say, if you do this, like, here's some perks you're going to get. And you could throw some things out there, even like a discount, right? <laughs> Subsidize a discount at certain, you know, McDonald's or, or you know, Starbucks or whatever. Who knows what it is or some tax credit. Um, and people would go for it. Like they would totally be all over this thing. And they're always going to think, well, it's not going to affect me. I'm not going to be the one. Like it'll never show up where some tracing is going to show that, um, you know, yeah. Imagine this, if people start to get into disputes like accusations, um, or divorces or things like this, this information coming out, I mean, this will be absolutely, absolutely crazy. Um, and what your employers you know, will have access, you know, to this if you're not 1099 employed. Um, but but this this is and how much of this is public, right? So would you have the right to know the people around you what their credit score is? I mean, you could argue that that's discrimination, discriminatory, but you could also put it out there and say, um, uh, you know, maybe there are certain things that amplify, uh, you know, get, get this gets tinkered with. So not everybody starts at the same level. Some people get points added on because of, of um, living in a rougher area or I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we're far from it. Um, so let's do the chat. Uh, they'll get people to pay for it. Yep. Um, Prairie fire. Okay. Prairie fire mentioned bayonets. So yeah, Prairie fire is the, this book. Um, from Clay. So I will do a review on that one. Hey, we should hang out. So it is our good friend, Chad Elkins. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough to, um, meet up with, uh, Chad and Aaron about a week ago and we had a, a terrific time. So I appreciate that very much. Um, and yeah, I'd be interested sometime, Chad, of, uh, of getting your take on once once the new administration solidifies a little bit on what this means for for taxes and finances and cryptocurrencies and all of that type of stuff because I think it's all of that's on the table. Uh, bacon forgot about that three ounce liquid rule. Um, so yeah, I think that was relaxed like it, toward the end. I don't even know if that's in place. We we're supposed to go to Orlando and. Uh, um, back in March, and I think it was it was kind of like no longer really enforced. I don't know. I was working with the airport and stuff like that. Um, so, um, hey, Chad, it's my birthday today, by the way. So, da 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 da. -da we say it's my birthday. Da 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 da. -da. It really is my birthday for another uh, twenty-one minutes here. It is. It is my birthday, and it's like seventy. It was 72 and sunny in Wisconsin. <laughs> it's it's going to be 72 and sunny tomorrow. I remember birthdays up north. I grew up up in the northern part of Wisconsin. I remember birthdays. It'd be like a, a snowstorm, like ice storm. I think it was like 93. The Badgers were playing Ohio State. And I'm watching this like at home. And some, it was just, or I was in college. It was further up north. It was just like a complete ice storm and there was already a foot of snow and we're just shivering. It was like so cold and oh, it's just absolutely horrible. So, um, so yeah, just, just absolutely crazy. But, uh, <laughs> 
Chad, yeah, welcome. Some sometime I would I would love uh, to if you and Aaron and I could could fire up a show and kind of do a, a recap of what I'm referring to as the shiver on the river when we had our when we had our our get together. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of you know the big things off of my off of my list here. I think um, I think we've regressed very quickly to the mean after what since March. Um, up on that diagram, you know, where things were going off. I think now they've come down. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm saying people have perceived that things have gotten much better. And look at well, how the media is portraying things to people, right? Suddenly the coronavirus, the numbers are still there. They're still scary, but it's like, oh, there's now a plan in place to deal with this. So people are getting much uh, more positive affirmation through social media. They're feeling that they've regressed back to the mean. And I think you're going to see that then in purchasing. I'm going to track that very closely, but I bet you purchasing changes too. Um, we're going to see massive school uh, funding and just general, I would say a, a stimulus bill that they're going to push toward a $5 trillion mark, whether it gets there or not. But um, you're going to see uh, in schools, the argument would be we need to update HVAC systems. We need to update high contact areas, PPE, but then you can tie in all these other things around it. Um, that's going to happen. Check out Mike Glover, right? So Mike Glover on, um, yeah, Chad is right. We need some, or Bacon's right. We need some monetization. We need people to subscribe to this channel. So when I get a thousand, I'm going to make a big, big sign in the back, a permanent sign. It's going to say, I've got a thousand subscribers. I've been doing the show like four years, and this is the 150th show. And I've had terrific guests on, including Chad Elkins, and I'm still like at 240 subscribers. So um, I don't know. Somebody out there, like, create, you know, 700 YouTube channels and subscribe on every one of them. But uh, so, so yeah, Mike Glover, Fieldcraft Survival. Uh, Mike was deplatformed in the last day. So uh, survivalist, um, but also, you know, uh, ex-military. And then, you know, Mike, very transparent. So if Mike goes, who's next to go? So we need to watch this because I think people who are in survival and prepper areas are really going to be scrutinized. And who are the people who are on the outside reporting them, right? Who Who's saying, this is making me uncomfortable, or I think this is promoting, um, it could incite violence, but it's going to be I would say easier for these platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, to just wipe them off, especially now, between now and January when Biden would be put into office. So I think there's a real threat. You know, for Mike, this is his livelihood. His website was taken down. Um, the, I would have never expected that. Uh, again, I, I watch his stuff. Um, I'm a, a fan of his work. It's very intellectual. It's very thoughtfully put together. Not once, not once. Did I ever leave one of Mike's videos or posts thinking he was out of bounds or um, anything where he would not fully promote like the non-aggression principle? You know, like just I mean, I think a lot of what Mike was doing was situational awareness, but also like just fitness, like how to get yourself in into shape for, you know, if there's a any type of um, whether it be a social unrest situation or natural disaster. But uh, um, but the thing is, how long? I mean, how many hits can Mike Glover take before it really impacts, 
your site and your your livelihood. And then what if people are starting to think, well, if, if I buy from Mike or if I sign up for one of his classes, now am I on some kind of AOC truth and reconciliation list that people know that I took this? Is it a public record? Is my employer going to see this? What does this mean? What does this mean for social credit scores? Like, what the hell? Like, it is just so out there. Um, and it, it is really weird with AOC. I mean, I just, that someone that there isn't someone that she goes through, right? You you think with all of these, like, you know, people in, in, in her similar type of position, Congress, or whether it be like a governor or something like that, I, that there's, that they run this by somebody first and they say, what do you, what do you think about this? Um, or can we, can we tune this a little bit before we get it out? And I'm like, you know, when you basically put out a statement <laughs> of saying, you know, in in different words that we want a truth and reconciliation committee, and if you support it, Trump, we will find you. We will find the artifact of either a payment or we'll find you in an image at a rally or something like that. And you will, that will be out there as a public record for life. Whoa. And then, you know, insinuating that that information then will be be you know adverse for you that um this will impact down the road whether it's a social credit score whether people can just search this and know that you attended these things and you know of course it's not supposed to impact employment but it could be it could pay, patronizing your business your ability um to access resources but i mean are you going to be the person where yeah they were it was that person. They they support it. I don't know. I I'm I'm blown away that one nobody fact not fact check nobody filtered that for her, and two that the the Democratic um, Party didn't come out and you know basically find some way to wordcraft that and say, listen, yeah, that was a really stupid not not a really stupid thing, but we understand. Um, you know, that there's this high level of frustration, but um, we we're working in a, a partisan, you know, fashion in working uh, across the aisle to move us forward. You know, if Biden would have said that tonight or Harris, that would have been huge. And then it also kind of lets AOC off the hook without making her necessarily look bad. You know, I think you can say we want to learn how we we continue to go down a path without being fully informed and 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 i mean there again like call me for christ's sake i could put this together like i could i can spin damn near anything call me i will i'll do the work for you but um the fact that they didn't do that and like again this won't take much to find this how much does it take with facial recognition software and other stuff and people, if they just have time and money and billionaires giving some cash to this before it is searchable, <laughs> before someone does, I mean, how long did it take to find, what was it? Kyle Rittenhouse, the, uh, the uh, Kenosha, a 17 year old um, who, who killed two in Kenosha and, and wounded one that he had attended a Trump rally and they had the, the image of him in the crowd. I'm saying, you know, these, these things will be, I'm sure there are people who just attended these rallies to photograph the crowd and to take records of, to, to visually scan these crowds, you know, with, the, you know, with their cameras and other devices. I mean, obviously you didn't have drones at these things, but um, it is, 
so, so yeah, I'm just saying, you know, and I've experienced this personally. I've, I've had, you know, um, not, not politics, you know, related, but school safety, you know, related, certainly, you know, heat put on by, by certain, um, you know, organizations and things like that, that you have to navigate. Um, and of course, I mean, you don't want to be badged as right. The person I wrote school of errors. You don't want to be badged as the person who's against school safety because that's absolutely crazy. Um, that's not what I am. Right. And people that know me, like, no, that's not, I'm not against school safety, but they could come out of this and they could say, Oh, of course, like you, you know, you are, you're the guy against, you know, school safety and, you know, you wrote the book and you're against the standards and, you know, all of this stuff. And, and it's like, well, once you read the book and know my work, but but it's not hard to get uh, discredited, you know, attempt to get discredited by companies, especially when they're selling products, uh, making, you know, huge amounts of money from schools and from states when they sell these things that are complete garbage. But um, so anyway, so it has been it has been a terrific um, uh, birthday, actually. <laughs> the last time. We had it this warm. I had uh, in my my Chevy Equinox, and that was the first year they came out with those things, 2010. I had it in 2009. I got one of the early models. I had to drive to Fox Lake, Illinois, because they didn't have any black ones in Wisconsin that had a sunroof. So I drove down, and um, oh my god, like it was just awesome to get that that equinox in 2010 like it was so far advanced versus like any vehicle i had had and i was first vehicle with a sunroof oh man i just absolutely loved it hey cameron cameron all right um yeah bacon did uh did glover ever mention the the uh value of, of bagels yeah glover's a good guy i feel really bad for him and i i, I feel i mean not mike is able to take care of his own business and, and things like that but i I feel that the takedown of Mike is is setting an example. It's an exemplar for other people because to me, like, there wasn't a reason to do that to Mike, right? And if Mike is susceptible to this, then other people be like, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to be very careful, <laughs> like, right? Because this happened to Mike. So, but anyway, so, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm down in Fox Lake and I buy this and I trade in my, my Malibu at the time. And, uh, I remember driving back and I had free OnStar. So, and it was a small screen, although like it was a really cool vehicle had nice stereo in it and all. It was just nice. I just really liked it. Brand new, of course. And, uh, and some using OnStar and I'm like, I need to find like a place to eat. And they're like, oh, you know, they're really nice to you. Cause you just bought the vehicle. Um, and they're like, Oh, so how are you liking your new? Yeah. I'm like, ah, it's really cool. Like it's I'm good. It was nice. It's like a warm, warm night sunroof was open um and uh and i and i said uh yeah i need like a place to eat so then they helped me find like a perkins somewhere like in northern illinois <laughs> and uh and i drove home and i brought like a cd and it, it was the one that had a thumb drive like you could also have songs but i brought a cd of like it just like it was just great it was absolutely the greatest thing and i i used navigation to get me home on on the uh equinox and it was good and actually i sold it uh to a um, dad of a guy I worked with and for a really good price like i had quite a few miles on it but i always took really good care of it and of course you know it's always in my was in my garage and stuff but um but yeah that was so anyway it was my birthday 
and uh, we we it was like this, like seventy two degrees, and we went out for the day and I had the sunroof open, and it was just it was awesome. Uh, again, like living in Wisconsin, especially I grew up in northern Wisconsin. This time of year was always cold and snow. Like playing football, <laughs> end of the season football, you're always playing on a snow covered field where they just like shovel off or they paint over like where the the yard lines are. And it just sucked. There was no fun in that at all. I absolutely hated that. Um, and then, of course, you're playing baseball in spring, and there's still snow in the field. I mean, they try to get rid of some of it, but it, you know, it still snows again. So you're playing baseball, like in a snowy outfield, you know, just in general, like it's cold. So, so this is this is like absolutely. Um, So yeah, Bacon wrote, um, Doc hates school safety so much he wrote about it. So I'll tell you, well, first of all, School of Airs is, it's much more than school safety. And I'm debating whether to to work with my publisher to do a second edition of this because I had another book worked out. It was Making the Right School Safety Decisions. And I did a presentation, an international presentation on that in February, like right, it was right before the COVID stuff. During that presentation, I said, hmm, like the way things are shaping up with COVID, if I were you, I would start to plan my contingencies if schools were shut down for a while and like, boom, a couple weeks later. So um, that was a presentation I gave, again, an industry presentation, so I can't release it, although I did show it during my uh, superintendent class that I just got done instructing. But this book, yeah, there's so much in here. You're, you're just, I mean, the foolishness of benchmarking, transitioning into chaos, the Cajun Navy. Um, there's, it, you know, there's, hey, there's a picture of Doc. Look at this. Oh, shh. Picture of Doc right there. There's a... It's a gun. <laughs> I got. To, I was participating in all of the the drills. I mean, it was exercises, just crazy stuff, man. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a it's too bad. Came out in 2019, but you know, right now, so much of school is virtual. Book really never addressed that because I mean, we didn't have a pandemic. But I have another book. I'm I was ready to write called "Making the Right School Safety Decisions," and one was like, "Who's in charge of school safety?" Most people think there's some federal law. There isn't any federal law. There's only one state, I think it was Georgia or Kentucky. I have to go back and look in 2020 that required schools to have locked doors during the school day. That's the only one to this day that does it. And there was a lot of pushback from that. Um, people were testifying before the state legislators of it messes up our airflow. Kindergarten teachers are saying, oh, kids go to the bathroom so much. 4K teachers, that's really disruptive. It's like, no, lock the damn doors during the day. Like, like, lock your classroom doors during the day. Even after Parkland, you know, looking, I went through all the Parkland materials. There's nothing uh, that said teachers had to lock their doors. It was a should. It was a suggestion. And even today, there's nothing saying teachers must lock their doors. So anyway, I was going to put this whole, this book together, had it all outlined out. Um, it would be the the companion to School of Airs, be the next level. And who's in charge of school safety? Another one was had a big section from Drew Bay, right? Our friend Drew Bay. Um, so Drew, um, DrewBay.com, check out. But you know, Drew, Drew's um, you know uh, fitness, so uh, strength and fitness. And you know, California, for example, last year 
got rid of a lot of physical education for students and got rid of it because they said, well, um, their argument for getting rid of it was it, 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 some students feel uncomfortable or it's shaming of some students because they're not physically fit. So it's awkward for them to do this or students with disabilities. Like it's difficult for them to participate when I'm like, okay, I was a former special ed director for 12 years. I know students with disabilities aren't telling you this, like they want to participate in FIED. So you're just, you're creating this false narrative, uh, which you're selling to people. And, you know, the reason to get rid of FIED um, is so you can put other things in the FIED time. So that's that's why you're trying to get rid of FIED. But as, as Drew, I mean, pointed out, and I had him on the show, Drew was saying, and I have an entire chapter in this, this other book, but I mean, it doesn't make sense to launch it right and launch it now because until we get schools back in session. But Drew is like, you know, if kids... Kids need fight, right? Kids need, and they need to eat proper foods. They need to be strong. It increases their immune system, right? So they're in school more because they're not getting sick. Spot on, right, Drew? Um, if they're stronger and, and you know more fit, they're able to get away from danger and to safety quicker. Absolutely right. Spot on. Um, they can recover from injury faster. So if they're injured in, a, in playground sport or during an attack, they have a better chance to recover. Yes. Last one is they're easy. It's easier for them to participate in a rescue. So if they're physically fit and they broke a leg or something, it's easier for people to rescue them versus if they are 100 pounds obese over their their target weight. Then you know to have people try to rescue them, which is it's all factual stuff, but it's stuff people don't want to talk about. And and how are we not talking about keeping, um, you know, putting the fitness of kids as a number one priority for safe for school safety that, that, you know, so it's, it was really, and I, I, I regret that I missed it in school of airs because it would have been perfect. I had a, a word count. I had to work with, with the publishers. So there were, there were some good things that made that, that hit the cutting floor and actually turned them into journal articles, but that's a big part of, uh, of, of the next, of the next book. But yeah, velocity of information. Um, so I'm progressing on that, and then um, yeah, Doc Stramanis. There's Stratus, Doc Stradamus. Oh, kind of like Nostradamus. So I think the person there is like Joe Joe Dolio. Joe's like the 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 magic eight ball. He's Joe is just. Uh, I mean, he's always looking over the horizon. Um, but yeah, I I appreciate that. Thanks. Um, so, so yeah, actually, I'm teaching another um, special education uh, law class in spring. starts in January, so I will adjust it now for what I believe will be policy um, changes and, and things that students will look for uh, with the new administration and also with the new Secretary of Education. Um, we have some big things also which are going to be coming up. So if you have a student with a disability... They have an IEP, Individualized Education Plan. And those students uh, under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act receive services, IEP services. For example, they have uh, speech language disabilities, um, occupational physical therapy in schools. Uh, in the last year, with a number of schools being not in person, those haven't all been fulfilled. I know this personally um, because that's part of my contract work. I work with districts and things like that. And 
And there, I think there's not only going to be litigation, but I think there's going to be um, now with the Democratic um, secret, uh, Secretary of Education um, a move to fund special education at higher levels and higher compensatory services. So, um, yeah, I, those will be things that I'll need to talk with my with the students and, and kind of figure out where they're at because I, I, I think that'll be a highly litigated area, but I also think it's going to be a highly funded area. Um, so there'll be some, it'll be interesting to see kind of the genies out of the bottle too. Like, what do you do for telehealth? What do you do? Like things were relaxed. Like you could do telehealth over borders and stuff like that. Um, you know, as, as someone who holds a Wisconsin license, I had to get licensure in some other states when I when I was providing some services. And, and now, like a lot of that have been kind of released or loosened up. How do you do that? How do you how do you do that? Um, does it continue now after a pandemic? Because you know, telehealth or or do more regulations come into telehealth? More professional development or like you you have to balance it out you can do like one face-to-face -face visit for two telehealth what's it going to look like under um, a democratic administration and and just some of these you know some of these other other things i'm just not sure so all right um let me let me just do a quick recap here so stick with me on that um biden says school choice to be out the window yeah sast you're right with that and so, so that right there is a huge, immediate, big difference between the Trump administration, which was campaigning, saying school choice and dollars would follow the student with Biden saying, no, school cho choice would be out the window. So the positioning for um, districts right now will be to try to maintain what they have. Like if you're a, a if you're a voucher school, if you're a private school that has students because of voucher, it's going to be at a state level to try to maintain what you have because you're not going to have any support from that from the federal level. Um, where had Trump won, um, you would have likely seen a an expansion, right? And he could have also taken the Department of Education and linked various funding aspects of that to expansion of charter and vouchers. So this, that'll be a huge impact out of this, out of this election. Um, so Bacon wrote, says too many, CNN is celebrating him, him winning right now. So this is the thing. This is why I think we have regressed um, to the mean, which I had talked about in the previous podcast and just Let's bring that graphic up real quick here. I've got like 11 books, like I've all outlined. And of course, I've just written one. Um, well, actually, I've written a couple other books. It's just like anything serious. Okay. So I'm going to bring it up here on the on the bat screen. No, 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 no. Bat screen. Yeah, CNN. So one thing I wrote about this in School of Errors. If you look at when CNN started in 1980, I think it was Casper Weinberger, who was what Secretary of State at the time, um, said, and he was right on. Like CNN started to dictate pol uh, policy for for the Pentagon. So um, you started to see U.S. troops deployed into areas um, for like food distribution and things like that. Um, or basically you wouldn't have done that before. Like it was portraying, you'd have to do, I mean, type it in sometime or check out school of errors, right? 
But CNN really manipulated public policy. It, it went against the wine, was it the Weinberger principles of engagement with military force. It started to use the military in a humanitarian way. Um, but the problem with that of modifying your military to a humanitarian aid is you start to put your military in a lot of places all over the world, right? Start to expand your the use of your military. And it also was very, it wasn't represented very accurately, right? CNN would show things, but they would show like, here's three, three blocks of this one area in Africa. And they would portray this as being the entire scenario. But I wrote a, let me see. I don't know if that made the index. It might've. So one way to, to tell if you've got a really solid nonfiction book is if it has an index. Um, mine does. And it takes time and you have to pay for an index. Um, you know, the publisher pays. It's, do I have CNN, LMN? No. Huh. Well, that's weird. Okay. Well, I thought I, I thought I, I know it's in here. I didn't, I didn't know that it did not make the um, cable news TV. The hell! Let's take a look here. It's in the book. Um, this isn't the science TV. Titanic made the book. Tenth Amendment made the book. What in the hell? What three words? Well, this is really weird. Um, shit. Weinberger. It was Weinberger principle. Should have. It should have been. Huh. Well, all right, that one's on me, I guess. So anyway, you know, there's somebody who professionally does this um, once you're done, and then, God, I can't even find where the hell I've cited it. It's in here. Shit. This is, damn it, that's disappointing. Damn it. Anyway, so, yeah, yeah. So we went over here. I've talked about this for, since March, and um, this is the uh, philosophy of information. It's the title of my book, but this is the concept of it. So using March as an example, things get real wonky. People get out of their ordinary routines. Um, all this new vocabulary gets in here that you have to figure out what is social distance and it starts to become your part of your uh, uh, part of your lexicon or words you use every day. Um, we cross the streams, right? Once we get into 90 days, people really start to lose it, if, especially if there's no, like it's going to end. When I interviewed Rob Travis, the crab boater, the thing there is like the dude knew that he'd be off the crab boat after 122 days, like the season ended. So he knew he'd be done. And that was really awesome for him. Hey, go smash the thumbs up. And if you haven't already for the show, I appreciate it. Um, so he could, he could live through that chaos. Right. Um, but anyway, like nobody knew what was going on. So, so people really get primed this failure to regress. I talked about that. Once we got into August, people are like, Oh, I just want to get back to normal. What they think of normal is a similarity. Um, we, we saw this crowd in behavior. That's a sign of people just expecting things to go 
bad for a long time. They're buying puzzles or buying paint, things that make them feel good, interior paint. So anyway, this present day, this now, I'll have to amend this because the election now has brought people, a lot of people back down closer to the mean or what they think is normal. Not that it actually probably has changed. Some of it has changed, but look what the media is doing. As Bacon said, CNN is portraying a very strong bias pro-Democrat, you know, pro-Biden. All of the media really is. I mean, even, you know, in, in Fox has gone largely um, kind of quiet or, or kind of middle of the road now. But um, but yeah, so so your media, what you're getting in your newspaper, what you're getting in your radio, um, all of all of that has substantially turned toward a positive tone or an optimistic tone, even like coronavirus, like a more optimistic tone with the new um, uh, Democratic presidency and cabinet and whatever it would be. So this whole thing is people perceive that things have gotten that they've gotten better um, and very quickly. And as long as they perceive it, it's for most people, it's a reality. Like 70% right across the board is just selling. <laughs> it's just selling it. Um, I can't say enough for, you can get this book on, uh, on YouTube. You can download this for free. Thinking Fast and Slow. Daniel Kahneman was a Nobel Prize winner. This is an excellent book. Um, maybe about 10 years old. Excellent, excellent. Just go to YouTube. You can find, won't cost you anything. It's intentional. I'm not trying to give something that's hacked out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just right. The, the whole marketing aspect, the more you say things, the more you frame things, media can make anything seem horrible or perfect. And that's what they're doing. And people so that spring was so coiled. People so wanted a reason to come back to normal. Everything was, you know, they were, they were, past finite voltage or crowd in they've been you know since march as i went back to normal the media is like okay here's your here's your back to normal and most of them are jumping right on it they're not thinking any deeper than that in most and they'll kind of just manifest it that way right <laughs> um it is it is absolutely wild how fast we have regressed to a norm for people um how people are perceiving things um and it, you know if they've gone out right they're not seeing more stuff on their store shelves than what they saw a week ago um as bacon said you know he's still seeing you know what riots and and uh, civil unrest up in seattle and stuff like this but you know is it being portrayed centered on tv now and so yeah and, and, and it was over portrayed right it was a lot of the stuff was over portrayed but the, st the steam is out of this. The coil, the spring isn't coiled, you know, the, anymore. Uh, the energy isn't uh, isn't in the spring. And uh, Scott Adams, you know, was spot on with this because um, he said the day after, you know, the election, November 4th, he said when the rioters got up that morning, they didn't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, because do we go out full tilt ride or do we not ride? I mean, it was one of those things that was really odd because I, I think uh, deep down a lot of people did feel that was going to again be a Trump, a Trump win, and when it wasn't, it was like, how do we handle this? And then when it got, well, we're not going to call it for a few days. Then it's you know the things just lose momentum, like they just lose momentum. So and the media started to work. They already had the positive narratives going. So um, 
But yeah, I guess, I mean, overall for people, it's going to help. It's going to restore a lot of people to a better state of mind. It's not going to be more honest <laughs> for anybody. And anybody over here in the chat, you know, you've, you've got, uh, you know, you know, the, uh, you know what's going on. I mean, you're, you're watching, going to go live on YouTube tonight. I guess talk about the election. The format's wide open. Hey, Bacon, good. Good Bacon. What's your channel name at Bacon? Yeah, Bacon. And ba Bacon does, and I, I, I just want to give a little plug too. Like Bacon um, has highly intellectual blog posts. Those, his shows, his shows also, but I think it's different. I mean, a show has to be like a real, you know, real time, right? But when you're, when he, he does his blog post, he has, he, he really frames, he, he takes so many perspectives. So he, he kind of spins you around the, um, you know, the panoply, right? And, and, and when you're done reading one of his posts, he does this really well, like far better than I do. Like I'm good at certain things. I can't do the way that he writes I don't have that skill. So it's really cool to read Bacon's work. What is it? The goddamn bacon.com, right? Bacon, goddamn bacon.com. Um, because, he, yeah, he he has that ability to, to not just give you this first-person, highly intellectual, unpacked perspective and relay it out. He can move you around and... and it, I think it's really a cool skill that, that he has, that he's able to do. So I always, I, I enjoy I enjoy his, his work. So I'm ready to pass up. Me too. So it's no longer my birthday. Thank you, everybody. Subscribe to the Safety Doc channel. Tell your friends. Subscribe from all of your channels. Go in. Write a, write a review here for this book. This book needs more five-star reviews. School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. It is your good friend, the safety doc. Da -da 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 -da. They say it's my birthday. Da -da 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 -da. It sure is my birthday. Thank you very much. Sast, Bacon, Chad, everybody, Drew, everybody, Joe. Take care, everybody. This is Safety Doc. Out. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.